Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Le Castellet 240, round three of the European Le Mans series and Nicolas Jamat currently leading after 56 laps out front by... 24 seconds pretty much over Simon Trummer for Algarve Pro Racing. Mikkel Jensen a close third though and a good little battle between uh, Trummer and Jensen very recently. Bigger gap back to John Lancaster whose incident that involved his car and the 77 Porsche from the GTE category is currently under investigation. Matej Vosizakian completes the top five in LMP2 as we go. LMP3 is led by Arnold Robber after a great stint so far in the number nine car. That's the Ligier. Remember Graf run one Ligier and one Duquesne unusually, but the Ligier far better placed. Rob Weldon second in the United Autosports car then. Uh, for the car number two. In fact, it's both sister LMP3s for United running second and third. Much better positions than in LMP2 for the Yorkshire, or kind of an Anglo-American squad, we should strictly say, with Zach Brown's involvement, of course. And the GTE category being bossed right now by Rahel Fry, number 83, and the Iron Lynx ladies. The Iron Ladies, as they like to be called. One more stop expected for that car, but even that shouldn't take them too far away from the race lead. Visibility at a real premium right now, Bruce Jones, because, well, that cloud seems to be lowering. We are at the point now, maybe 15 minutes away from absolute darkness, but this is cracking. Saturday night racing in the European Le Mans series. Don't often get to say that too often. Well, it's been the most extraordinary crossover at certain parts of the circuit. If you're looking to the east, that's up towards the senior end of the circuit. It's, it almost feels like full darkness head now down the start for the straight look towards the setting sun there's a bit of light but it's like someone has flicked a switch but right now at this point in the race it's the good years of the starring at the front of the field three of the top four positions with Mikkel Jensen who had got into the lead and pulled clear just struggling a bit on his Michelin's but uh, we've just heard from Olivier Panis his car leading the race in the hands of Nicolo Jama he said they've got to really really nurse their rubber he's pointing out a lot may change we will see over the next two hours almost like a fog it's a low-hanging mist currently and I think possibly accentuated by the artificial lighting on the run down towards turn three but offline looking very glossy indeed an indication of how much rainfall we have had through the course of the day and one or two people making the point that the Goodyear tyre in LMP2 really starting to come into its own because bear in mind three of the top four positions now are all Goodyear cars. The two from Panis, well, one from Panis Racing, Algar Pro Racing, also a Goodyear shod car. My, uh, Mikkel Jensen is sort of the interloper for the Michelin runners, and the Aura Zero one still third. But John Lancaster's car is another Goodyear runner as well. So, do they like the cooler temperature and the nighttime running, perhaps? All the GTs are on Goodyear tyres and a stonking scrap for. What was that? Uh, third and fourth between Marcus Gomez for Kessel and Michele Beretta, a recovering Michele Beretta for Proton, and he's just got the play, so that's the 77 Porsche back into third. We said before the start of the race when it was easier to make a mistake than not, you just want to limit the number of those. Into Europol competition like a stealth car, 
suddenly up into what I used to call fifth place. It's suddenly just become fourth place. Batavos Isakan just hunted down John Lancaster, and he is the third fastest driver on the track, but he's put a number of really quick laps in. So the bright yellow and green team into Europol competition from Poland suddenly finding a sweet spot. So Isakan, his next target is 10 seconds up the track. That's Mikkel Jensen. And when Mikkel started this stint, it looked like nobody could live with Mikkel. But at this point in the race, various teams really starting to find their form. Good to see into Europol making a really serious stab at it there. They certainly are. And looking pretty strong in LMP3 potentially as well with Martin Hipper at the wheel. We haven't seen any of Nigel Moore yet and things always get exciting when the Yorkshireman takes over. But yeah, around the outside for the 34 car to pick off another place. Fabulous overtake on John Lancaster. Time Lancaster's lost a further position to Nicolas Lapierre since that happened as well. Overlap. This is where the Porsche got ahead of the Ferrari for third position in GTE. I mentioned Beretta getting ahead of Marcus Gomez, and he did it on the short run again, out of two and into the braking area for turn three. Now, what we don't know, we've been uh, watching the, the pace of the cars at the front and just commenting that the Goodyears are finding a sweet spot, but we don't know if it's going to be a long sweet spot. You know, the drivers will be able to tell when they're out there. We can't, we've got to guess, but it's great to have this uh, inter-manufacturer battle for position at the front of the field and uh, certainly conditions have been how should we call it changeable since the start of the race and uh, certainly some pe people have played a, a, a straight game and just worked according to the weather conditions or the track conditions and some have made guesses and they haven't always worked but that's why changeable conditions always shake up a race it's great yeah lots of different uh, ways you can uh, approach it and loads of decisions to, along the way as well that could either make or break a race I suppose traffic to deal with at every corner it seems for Jonathan Hershey in this phase of the race he's now got the right side of this big queue though and uh, in the draft is Memo Rojas so uh, actually that's the 30 car yes now ahead yeah, Rojas, Rojas is ahead car. then Hershey yeah, now oh, it's all changing. Oh and the 28 car off the road and almost, I think, made contact with the barrier. So that is the EDEX Sport car of Paul Luchata. Did he keep it out of the tyre wall? The rear deck seems to still be in one piece. So what happened there then? Paul Luchata diving up the inside to try and retain that position and then just lost grip. Did he catch the white line, the blend line maybe? Uh, that dictates whether you're going to go into the pits or not. There was no contact. No contact. Very nearly took Memo Rojas with him, who was uh, hard on the anchors, but don't want to be too hard on a wet track. And uh, we had a moment a while ago where we saw the number two, Rob Weldon-driven United Autosports uh, P3 car, dive up the inside of Turn 9 and spin Michele Beretta's Porsche. Well, he's got a black-and-white warning flag for that, but the team will be relieved. No drive-through penalty for him, but there is for the number five, Graf, entry unfortunately exiting the pit lane this is the car that was already heavily delayed Luis San Juan exited the pit lane under a red light so insult to injury last and now very much last 60 laps in the book now for Nico Jama although a significant chunk of those were completed by Julian Canal his teammate at Panis Racing and the third driver who did the qualifying earlier today Will Stevens still to come I have just seen something on the screens that suggests maybe United Autosports really have found their moment because the new fastest lap of the race by one and a bit seconds goes to Phil Hansen. He's down in 11th place, but he's taken, get this, eight seconds 
off the car in front of him on that last lap, that severe flaw. So surely he'll be on her and passing her very soon indeed. But for United All Sports, have both of their P2 cars outside the top 10. This is an unusual occasion in the European Le Mans series. What a dice for third, fourth and fifth positions in GTE, by the way. Aaron Scott will be pleased to be about 20 seconds up the road from this, but Reno Mastronardi, Marcus Gomez and Michele Beretta going hammer and tongs at uh, this situation. Three different teams occupying third, fourth and fifth. Iron Lynx, Kessel and Proton. And they're almost just one exiting the kink at seven and onto the Mistral straight. Which parts of the track are they hunting around for? Happy to run on the racing line. Uh, which indicates the tyres are in decent condition and they head through the kink at, or more than a kink, at senior corner, full commitment right-hander at the end of a very, very fast right-hander, uh, a very fast uh, Mistral straight, I should say. Message on the screen about all cars to have their door panels turned on, so that is the illuminated number panels. Now, one or two I've noticed that the numbers have come unstuck already, namely Phil Hansen's United Autosports car. I think the Dragon Speed machine's running with a bit of tape over its race number as well, so that's not necessarily easily done. Can be addressed, I'm sure, at the next pit stop, but just like if we were at the 24 Hours of Le Mans, the numbers have to be visible for the marshals, because if a car is judged to have breached the track limits, they need to know exactly which car it was. I think Michele Beretta is going to say, why do they hate me, Mum? He's just been hit for a third time. It was door-to-door -door <laughs> contact, this time not by a prototype, but uh, running alongside Marcus Gomez. It kept the Brazilian in front, but Beretta must be feeling he's got a target on pretty much every panel of his car. No damage done, but again, it was just like, well, we're fighting for position here. I'm not someone from another class. We are fighting for position. Yep. And it went the way of Gomez at that point in the, one of the Kessel Racing Ferraris. That poor old Porsche getting pummeled at times and yeah they'll be lucky to find a straight panel on it at the end of the race but if they get a good result it won't matter more drama towards the end of the lap with yellow flags displayed at Virage Dupont but they are quickly taken in again so maybe a spin and continued for the five car which is delayed in appearing at the end of that lap so car five will eventually well, it just appear came, just came out of the pits I think I just said fleetingly on the screen it had a, a, a a yellow badge with a black circle in it, which normally means leaving the pits, so maybe it went suddenly a late dive into the pits that uh, caused consternation. Lap time's getting better and better. Just taking a look at the replay of uh, the body contact between the 77 uh, Porsche. In fact, he was the one that assaulted Marcus Gomez, I think, before Gomez got back. Anyhow, I think it's, it's a probably corner to corner there, almost having contact as they scrap for position. Really quick time starting to come. The front of the field, Nico Jamat, also under one minute fifties, and about three or four other drivers have done that as well. But uh, right now, great advantage. Half a minute, yes, half a minute, 30 seconds to the good. Panis Racing, Nico Jamat from Simon Trummer. Simon doesn't have such a big advantage because he's being caught now, just two and a bit seconds clear of Mikko Jensen, and both of them being hauled in by Matevos Isakian, but we've got a spin in, yeah, for the Euro International car, that's number 11, no longer troubling the top 10, because who's at the wheel now? Nicola Molini for Euro International, that car actually is, was just in the 10, and has now slipped to 11th position, but we're more used to seeing Euro International up in, in and around the top five, really. Remember, your international cracking season last year when Mikkel Jensen and Jens Pettersson 
won the championship and that really jettisoned uh, Mikkel Jensen into his LMP2 drive for this year. There was side-to-side -side contact that uh, uh, forced that to happen. But in, in that incident, uh, Matej Vasisakan, you can see his yellow and green car, got the wrong side of it, lost a bit of momentum and Nicolas Lapierre didn't need a second invitation. He's moved the cool racing Orica back ahead of the Ligier of Mateva Sisakan, he takes fourth place back, but they've been almost identical pace around that lap, but then the gift was offered, Lapierre grabbed it with both hands. And Zakian showing really good speed uh, at the initial part of that lap, I think he plucked out a, an absolute best sector one time actually, so conditions very good indeed as things get cooler and the air gets to a prime consistency that race engines love, we always have that sort of happy hour uh, late in the evening at Le Mans, or indeed early in the morning as that, again, transition period is approached. Uh, the cooler the conditions and the fatter the air, the better for the 4.2-litre Gibson or the 5.6-litre Nissan in the LMP3 examples. We've got Ferrari turbo, twin turbocharged engines in the 488s and the typical and uh, instantly recognisable flat-six 4-litre engine in the Porsche. Should have been Porsches. 93 wasn't able to take the start after a frightening-looking moment in qualifying earlier on today for Michael Fassbender on a very wet kerb at Turn 7. Uh, more um, documents arriving, no doubt, into Eduardo Freitas's in-tray, this time concerning an incident between the 77 Porsche of Beretta and the 74 Ferrari from Kessel Racing, Marcus Gomez. Well, Beretta's in front at the moment, but I feel that one could seesaw backwards and forwards over the next two laps. Very, very entertaining indeed. Maybe not if you're the driver being shoved out of the way, but actually the more I look at it, I think there's, there's push, nip and tuck, shove here, shove there, and it seems all pretty equal. It's door-to-door -door racing. Yep, that's the way we like it. And yeah, they may well realise that, uh, well, you had a bit there, and it was returned later on, so let's just leave it as it was. But each incident does have to be investigated separately. And the decision, if there is need to be one that takes place, will be, again, put up as a message on our screen. Could just be a no further action, which keeps things nice and simple. Meanwhile, Nico Jama leading by just over half a minute. There's a real challenge on for that second-place uh, position, though, between Simon Trummer and Mikkel Jensen. But we're going to head to the pits right now to get a little bit more from Hayley Edmonds. I beg your pardon. We're going to look back on some highlights. Uh, my, uh, my fault entirely. Let's look back on what's happened in the opening two hours of the race then. We're now two hours and 15 minutes in and very different conditions, namely sunlight when we got this thing up and running. We did need to start, though, from behind the safety car because the track surface was so wet. Thankfully, it had stopped raining, though, at about the 6.30 start time. So we only needed, I think it was two, maximum three laps behind the safety car to enable the field to clear the water, and then we could start racing. Didn't take too long for the field to start overlapping one another great opening stint for Konstantin Tereshenko the number 30 Duquesne uh, team car battling hard with uh, Roman Rusinov and also the LMP3s were door handle to door handle in the early stages as well a spin all on his own sadly for Will Owen which would take that 32 car race winner here at Ricard back in July out of contention in the early running we'll wait and see what United Autosports have up in their sleeves though in the uh, hour and a bit that's still to go. Another spin. This was uh, first of many for the number 16, sadly. And also a frightening moment for actually Phil Hansen after 
uh, Rodrigo Sales in the yellow JMW Motorsport Ferrari lost it at turn seven and Phil Hansen had a very quick decision to make in avoidance battling continue between cool racing and G drive racing and the G the uh, cool racing car had no response to Mikkel Jensen clean neat and tidy overtake up the inside of turn 10 and that was the lead of the race at the time there was a spin later on for the 74 Ferrari from Kessel Racing driven by Michel Bronizhevsky he got things pointed in the right direction once more this was a second spin for the 16 car of BHK and there's some contact then for Louis Saint-Jouin not too uh, long into his stint contact on the rear left corner of the Graf car which forced a puncture and our second safety car period to retrieve all the bits of Michelin rubber that littered the track surface down the Mistral a squirrely moment for the 37 car of Nicolas Lapierre. Now, Lapierre had been passed illegally under the safety car by the Duquesne team. That was the legal move. GT cars still taking chunks out of one another at times as the 77 car of Michele Beretta tried to overtake and get some of the places he had lost back again. Side by side down towards turn three was a move from Simon Trummer on Mikkel Jensen and that would give Trummer second place at the time. Nico Jama enjoying very much his time at the sharp end for Panis Racing. So Julien Canard with a cracking stint, the man from Le Mans. Nico Jama is the gold doing the second phase of the race with Will Stevens, the platinum, still to come. And although Simon Trummer had been ahead of Mikkel Jensen, those places have changed around again. This might be the moment that it happened. It is. Jensen from a long way back at Virage Dupont under the floodlights. Simon Trummer couldn't jump across from one side of the track to the other quick enough to defend. And the Dane is back in front of Simon Trummer, who falls to third. I have to say that was one of the moves of the race. And, yeah, I get, yeah. I, and again, we're at this moment crossover from evening into night. It's much darker in the real world than it is seemingly with the headlights and there are, are certain points around the track where there's light and then you look at a moment as we're seeing on the screen at the moment there are parts where it's very very dark indeed and going up the Mistral straight it's certainly a little bit short on light but they are going the straight line what would they need lights for but certainly when they come to some of the corners and again they quite like to see if the track's glistening or not but uh, by now they've worked out the the track is really pretty dry the curb's still a little bit wet but we're seeing a lot of laps under one minute 50 new fastest lap of the race one minute 47.815 the into Europol competition. Uh, Ligier, driven by Matevos Izakian. He's fighting really hard for position with uh, Nicolas Lapierre, but uh, in turn, both of them are catching Simon Trummer. I do love a really late lunge up the inside of turn 14. Seen, seen it several times through the years, and uh, really, the, the car that you're overtaking hasn't got the time to react, Think it, thinks it's safe to stick to the racing line, and then late in the day, into 14, that is place bagged. Well, it looked as though there was a change of position there, but in fact, that was Isakian going past Lapierre as Lapierre pulled into the pits for cool racing. There is the Swiss team entering the pit lane, and uh, Nicolas, second driver on board. That in the race today, started by Alexandre Coigny. I think we've plenty of time of plenty left. We'll see if there's a driver change for that. P3, it's being led by Colin Noble now from Robert McGuinness. We have a bit of a bit of a flurry into the pits, though, so that order will be jumbled all over again. And Iron Links, Rahel Frey, last of the drivers to make the, first, the pit stop last time around, is back in the lead of the GT class. Aaron Scott is 21 seconds behind her, lapping at a very similar pace, though, so he's not really going to catch her at this moment. 
that's an interesting way of approaching things for cool racing they left their bronze running till much later uh, in the race i seem to remember in recent times that was in the wec race though actually at spa francorchamps where they um, put towards the rear end of their run Kwani and uh, Racing Team Nederland did the same as well with Fritz van Eerd. It sort of gave that car a bit of a false position, whereas this time around, Kwani, as you said, plugged in for the opening stint or uh, opening couple. And now it's in a rightful place that uh, shouldn't alter a great deal, barring major incident for that crew. Over the line goes the number nine Graf car of Vincent Capillaire. Still the top four positions, no, uh, four positions behind the race leader in LMP3 are Ligiers, but it is a Duquesne leading the way, Colin Noble for Nielsen. And we needed to have been keeping an eye on when the longer pit stops were being taken. can tell you what the last pit stop was, for instance, the top few runners have been choosing to tick off their 150-second stop. Each LMP3 car has to make two of the longer stops, time from pit in to pit out, and two short stops of uh, 40 seconds in duration because of uh, the worry that the engine wouldn't do the distance on fuel. Always uh, traditionally was two long ones and one short stop, and kind of a, the final stop could be as quick as you like. Well, it's now designated by a time, but just 40 seconds to enable a splash towards the end of the race, you would think. Colin Noble leads, though, for Nielsen Racing by 10 seconds in LMP3 from Robert McGuinness and the RLRM Sport car. That's where they started. Nigel Moore has finally taken over the Inter-Europol competition Ligier now from Martin Hipper, and that car running in third position. He's only 15 seconds away from Colin Noble. New fastest lap of the race, Phil Hansen chipping away, moved up to eighth place overall, just suddenly took a good second off the previous best anybody else has been setting, but the times, if you're in the top ten, you have to be lapping in the 1 minute 48, 49s, but 1 minute 46.5 seconds for Phil Hansen. Still going to make up another 11 seconds to catch the Duquesne team entry of Jonathan Hershey, but now we've got this flurry of pit stops and a very quick exit of... Richard Milkart by Sophia Florsch and Dutch racer Bates Gavissa pulls the door down and then we'll be tightening the belts. Spins, they're still coming in this race. Car 51 going for a bit of a turn there. That's Christoph Ulrich. And again, they're harder to pick up once they're facing backwards. You can see the taillights, but uh, certainly some of these cars. Quite dark liveries and it's very, very dark outside turn number nine. Two cars coming in, Algarve Pro Racing, Simon Trummer and Metevos Isakan got right onto his tail, so he really hunted him down. That was the battle for third and fourth positions. We are for the 51 Ferrari, nearing the point now where Daniel Serra could take over, I reckon, another eight minutes or so, and they'll be able to plug the Brazilian in and get that race, get that car to the finish after Gurig has had a decent run and Christoph Ulrich as well, and usually running with two bronzes in that team. They could well make it work with the Brazilian part of that lineup for this weekend. One car that's having a long time in the pits is Tom Gamble uh, for United All Sports, fallen down to not quite the tail of the field because that's Luis San Juan, but uh, really uh, not going to plan for them. Don't forget that was the car that led the task very comfortably uh, in the early stages of the race in the hands of Rob Weldon, who was on really feisty form today so busy in the pits at the moment but uh, for those out there it's trying to play catch up most notably the car that's now up to fourth position overall this happens again we saw uh, Phil Hansen work his way back to the front but only by dint 
with the fact the others were making their pit stops ahead of him, but his pace has been getting better and better. Just over an hour and a half remaining, let's see how high he can go, but actually, even getting into the top ten after, after what had been a dominant opening stint is going to be a bit of an achievement. He's just done the absolute best sector one, I notice, uh, on this lap, yeah, so he's now in the middle sector, which is the very fast section uh, from turn five to about two-thirds of the distance down the Mistral straight. I wonder whether he's going to get a nice little toe as well. Beyond the realms of possibility of Phil Hansen to pluck out the fastest lap of the race if he can continue this on. Meanwhile, yeah, elsewhere at United, 32, 14th of a 15-car field in LMP2. And for whatever reason, United Autosport struggling a touch in LMP3 as well, particularly with the number two car, which is back in for another pit stop. Tom Gamble, as Bruce has just mentioned, Love this time of night because you also get to see the brake discs working incredibly hard, growing red from the 35 car, an indication of quite how much punishment these brakes take. And actually, as the 35 accelerates down the Mistral, Francesco Draconi's brakes are still red hot as well. That's nothing to be worried about in terms of brake temperature when they're not being worked. That was Tom Gamble possibly now heading down pit road to rejoin. Two cars facing backwards at the penultimate corner. One's a Ferrari. That's Rahel Frey, it's the class leader. Yes, and what was the... Now, the other car looked a little bit like the G-Drive machine, but that's not in the right point of the circuit because Mikkel Jensen, who leads the race, is on the Mistral straight. So was it the 28 LMP2 car, maybe, from Edex Sport? No, Borluk Chatter has just come into the pit so I'm scratching my head a little bit as to what the which LMP2 car was involved there and whether there was some contact with Rahel Fry to force them both into synchronized spinning well I have to see a replay and it's getting harder to pick them out in the dark race still being led by the G-Drive Aris Mikkel Jensen car number 26 29 seconds the good over John Lancaster for Algarve Pro Racing but they will be making that pit stop soon Jonathan Hershey in third place faster than they are he puts in a quick lap but fastest lap of the race held by the driver in fourth place another eight and a half seconds back that's Phil Hansen with every lap he's getting closer to the mix then he's going to hand over of course to Philippe Albuquerque uh, to be the driver that takes it to the finish but the pace is good right now so maybe well, it's not as though the car was set, the United Autosport cars were set up not to be good on a wet track. It was very wet at the start, and they were very good, but the track is getting better, and so are they at this point. Quite happy with that prediction regarding Phil Hansen. I said it potentially going to be the fastest lap of the race, and so it proved, and he might go even quicker this time around. Really strong through that first sector where he's finding so much time on everybody else. 31.1, and the cars ahead of him are in the 32s, finding a second in sector one. Got to have grip for that first sector. It it's tight from turn one all the way down to turn six. In fact, it's just as you lean turn five is the point you go into the second sector. So down through those slightly downhill sweepers, but they're tight. They seem to get tighter and tighter. Three, four and five come at you really very, very quickly indeed. And it is another fastest lap from Phil Hansen and a place because John Lancaster's just pitted in the 24 Algarve Pro car. 145.431 now, the fastest lap of the race. We are at prime grip levels and prime air condition for the race engines. They are loving this phase of the race. Yeah, you have to feel that Hansen's going to stand as long as he dares before handing over to Philippe Albuquerque. He's in a real flow at the moment, he was just under 9 seconds down on Jonathan Hershey at the start of the lap, last time I looked it was about 13 so it's come down very quickly indeed 
as Hansen gives chase, but still Mikkel Jensen sitting on that tidy advantage, 33 seconds to the good. It must be said, though, Jonathan Hershey and Hansen are catching him. A lot of the fluctuation is down to uh, gaggles of traffic in front of them, and right now our race leader going out of turn 14 has got four cars ahead of him on the start-finish straight, and so he's going to have to just try and find his way around them. But it's easier to do so at this point, Johnny, because there is now a dry line and dry beyond everywhere on the circuit, so there is scope to overtake where the wasn't without a risk early in the event. Vance on Capillaire, nibbling away at the back of Nigel Moore. I don't think Nigel can hold Capillaire back. No, he can. He's gone wide through turn one, but made the corner in fairness. And Capillaire had to tighten his route into that first couple of sweepers, but couldn't have been closer. Capillaire was nibbling away at the rear bumper, I noticed, coming out of 14 and got a cracking run. Uh, but uh, Nigel Moore said, no, you don't. I can just run slightly deeper into this corner and up the speed. So that's the scrap for third and fourth positions in LMP3 versus Inter-Europol competition and Graf. You know, one car that's shown really good pace in this race, but for a propensity to bash its nose against things, is the high-class racing Orica. It's up into eighth place, but Anders Fjordback lapping only a, a whisker slower than Phil Hansen, who's the fastest driver out there. But don't forget, they lost time having... The nose changed, they started from the back of the field, had to pick their way up through the order, so it's actually been a really good run for high-class racing, but for a couple of little glitches. Underneath the patchy floodlighting at the end of the Mistral goes the fight then for third and fourth in LMP3. The class is led by Colin Noble for Nielsen Racing and Robert McGuinness in the number 15 RLR M Sport car, currently second. Nigel Moore's third as I mentioned, then Capillaire, then Duncan Tappy. He's only four seconds away from this battling duo. So it's condensing and concertinering nicely in the mid-class, if you like, the LMP3 middle class. Side by side for Capillaire and the GT car. And uh, Capillaire gets past that machine quickly. There's also an LMP2 now right behind which from the Algarve Pro Racing Group could well be Gabriel Aubry, number 25. If not, it's Loic Duval. The big guns, though, have been applied now to the Stuart Cox run cars. Rahel Frey still leading the way in the GT class, but Aaron Scott has got much closer to her. It could be a really good result for the Spirit of Race crew because they've got Matt Griffin waiting to take over for that final stint of the race. They're running in second place about... Oh, eight and a half seconds down on Rahel Fright. Rahel obviously lost a lot of time when she was uh, spun around or maybe spun on her own between just on the entrance to turn 13. But she's still leading the class for Iron Link, so it's Ferrari. In front of Ferrari and the third place car in GTE is the Porsche, the one and only Porsche. This event, the Proton Competition entry, Michele Beretta. Trying to stay away from rivals because they've all had a bit of a go at him. Into the pits comes Jonathan Hershey and with an hour left on the clock, the fuel's going in but I reckon we're about to see the third and final driver uh, to Duquesne team Tristan Gomendy, the 41 year old Frenchman due to take that car over and we are within the envelope now, 90 minutes for Gomendy to take charge a an amazing stint from him at Spa-Francorchamps which ended in a dramatic spin on the exit of Blanchemont as his rear tyre exploded on the final lap, hopefully he's recovered from that uh, rather daunting incident and he's raring to go this time for some nighttime running. Also, one of my uh, the job 
on the list to do before between uh, now and the end of the race is to try and work out what stage we're at for the LMP3s. Uh, I reckon the Nielsen racing car for Colin Noble has taken one of its shorter stops and one of its longer stops as well. So that's the reason why it's slightly ahead maybe of some of the others, although R&R &R Sport are in a similar situation as well. They took a short stop initially of 48 seconds and then two and a half minutes, the longer stop next time up. They've only made two stops to date as well. Well, race leader in G-Drive Racing, Roman Rutinov started it, Michael Jensen did the middle stints and now Jean-Eric Verne climbing on, on board. I think he's happy in there. It's quieter than it was when he was being interviewed in the pit lane, certainly. A world away from racing in Formula E. But he does love his sports car racing. Will he come away with victory here on home ground? He is a Frenchman after all. Old Jev. That means that Phil Hansen ought to go into the lead of the race. As I say that, yes, he does. He goes past down the pit straight and lapping consistently quickly, but he's got this big deficit to make up. He's going to stay out as long as he can. A, because he likes it, and B, because he's got no traffic in him. He's going to try and get the most out of that set of tyres before he, he comes back in to hand over to Philippe Albuquerque. So the 22 United Autosports Orica leading by 18 seconds from Nico Jaman, but Nico Jaman in the Panis Racing Orica has done that third pit stop. It's going to swing backwards and forwards this race, but the body language of Phil Hansen as he accelerates onto the back straight is very, very positive, and luckily for him, he's actually got a relatively clear stretch of track for the next... Well, as he closes on another car, not very long, actually, but this is a car from the GTE class. And it's the AF course, Christoph Ulrich Ferrari should catch it, hopefully for him, just before they get to scene. Into scene they go, the Ferrari's still just in front, but uh, maybe by the time they get to double Duarte, turns 9 and 10, the positions will be reversed. But unfortunately for Phil Hansen, no, now the door has been left open. Well done there for Christoph Ulrich, he saw what was coming. Not always easy in the dark. Certainly not, but uh, as you said, that much sought-after clear track for Phil Hansen and everybody else in the race, um, he can enjoy a little bit more of that now with what, sort of four LMP3s, maybe five of them in quick succession to follow next. Phil Hansen, very happy to be at the sharp end once again and leading by 18 and a half seconds. It's a further 26 back to Jean-Éric Verne, who is now on the on an outlap. Now, which the United Autosports, this car, 22 at a standstill. Yeah, finally got the signal on the screen. I thought it was him coming in, just checking. Phil Hansen will get out. He's had a, an interesting race, a races of ups and downs and uh, maybe discussions as to how come what was a lead got reversed, but uh, a, certainly a roll of the dice. Maybe we'll find out later on. But uh, been some great rolls in this race and, and, and certainly with the lap times moving around by about four seconds, five seconds as the track uh, dries out and more and more drivers are putting in their best laps at this point in the race. Phil Hansen, I reckon about 23 laps into this current stint and uh, a good stint length is 25, 26, sometimes 27 laps. So in the next four, certainly Phil Hansen will be coming in from the race lead. We can grab this opportunity to head down to Richard Meal Racing Team and chat uh, to Sophia Flersch with Hayley. I'm down here joined by Sophia Flersch, driver for the Richard Meal Team, car number 50. So a big day for you today. It's your first time driving in the LMS. Firstly, how did it go for you? completely new for me. I mean, it's my first endurance race. Normally I'm used to formulas, which is something completely different. Um, but I'm enjoying it a lot. The team is doing a great job. And I mean, today we're well, are really tricky conditions, but we're trying our best right now. You've 
Sophia Flush, uh, yeah, getting the team, getting herself in a, in a prime position to really attack the 24 hours of Le Mans, and that was the purpose of her being here. Not least because she, you know, she had planned to do as many ELMS races through the season as possible, but also got a Formula 3 campaign to worry about as well. But it made sense to be here at Lucas Delay. I think she'd be grateful of that running in the wet somehow as well, because there's every chance it's going to rain some point during the 24 hours this year, being much later in the year. Yes, it almost could have, couldn't have been more tailor-made for her. <laughs> just, just simply, let's get a feel for as many conditions as you want. But even if this is just a three-hour you know, three stint or two-and-a-half-hour stint in dry conditions, she'd have learned a lot. But uh, that combination of changing track conditions, zero visibility at the start in the spray, and then moving into nightfall. So, uh, yeah, she's going to sit down, and her head will be absolutely fizzing and buzzing and spinning with everything that's been going on, so much to take in, but, you know, she didn't put a, fit, a wheel wrong. I think we've got a real star in Sophia Flush. Yeah, and Baitskavissa ain't too shabby mm. either, taking over that 50 car and uh, into her first full stint for Richard Meal. Uh, no, big bond. She'd been in, uh, taking part of the season previously, of course, at Spa-Francorchamps, so more experience for the Dutch woman. Uh, whilst we're hearing from Sophia Flersch, Phil Hansen did pit from the race lead. His Portuguese teammate, Philippe Albuquerque, has taken over that car. And 10th place is where it has resumed. So, again, some work to do for United Autosports as the new race leader. And retaking the lead, Nico Jama crosses the line now. Start-finish line well lit by at least four uh, artificial lights on the large stanchions that overlook uh, the pits and of course the racetrack but after turns one and two which is fairly well illuminated too you then plunge into darkness along that short sharp straight into turn three and it gets pretty dark through the back section down the Mistral straight as well so at certain points the drivers more relying on muscle memory as to their braking and turn-in points and you've also got the closing speeds to be concerned about as well. Very rapid LMP2 cars catching at pace the GTEs and the LMP3s as well. Here's a little quiz for you. Which United Autosports driver has the fastest lap of the race? Well, it's changed. Alex Brundle running in 11th place behind the sister car. Well, some distance behind Philippe Albuquerque, but uh, 1 minute 45.1 seconds. So he's happy with the conditions right now. And in fact, they've only made the two pit stops, so he's about to come in, one would think, to make that third pit stop. Yes. Again, it's difficult to keep track of where each car is relative to their last pit stop, but um, you can do... The, well, these cars stop every 40 minutes in dry conditions. We're pretty much there now. Uh, but plenty of cars out of kilter. Speaking of which, uh, that's not the prescribed route early on in the lap for the G-Drive Aurus with Jean-Éric Verne now at the wheel. 
and previously he just set the car's best lap of the race but the very next time through the sector loses 20 seconds through the first sector alone I don't know what happened there, whether there was another car involved. Well, he started the lap 2.6 seconds down on Jonathan Hershey, so not close enough to be troubled into turn one. Not, Of course, not necessarily one from his own class of runners, but uh, turn one, again, you just dive past the area where there is light, you're diving into a corner, turn one that's very tricky, even at the best of times. The camber's a bit negative, and suddenly that transition from daylight into dark, I think there must have been a helping hand. Oh, no, he helped. No. He used both his hands sideways between the codes nicely done there get extra points for that but it cut the engine as well yeah. so then he had to fire the thing back into life the headlights went off back on again he could have i suppose taken it on straight onto the mistral there but uh, somebody would have spotted him doing that and that would have been an immediate lap lap entirely deleted have to go vaguely in the right direction found his way back to the track but yeah all on his own that actually put him behind jonathan hershey Gabriel Obrey as well. So where was he when that happened? Possibly third, and he's rejoined in fifth. Costly for the Auras, 0-1. And losing, well, uh, watching the time disappear now in terms of trying to recover that situation. Just an hour and 20 minutes left on the clock. But some very good times coming in from the second-place car of James Allen now. Number 39, Graf, has just set their best lap time of the race so far. Likewise, Jonathan Hershey for Duquesne team and the car in sixth place. René Binder was installed into the Inter-Europol competition car. Binder quicker than Izakian's times. That's very impressive in 34. Yeah, but the new fastest lap of the race, the driver in eighth place. We talked about him earlier, Loic Duval just taking to the European Le Mans series, hmm. loving being back in sports cars, and uh, 1 minute 44.7 seconds, he's 8 seconds down on Anders Fjordback, and you feel that gap is going to dwindle really remarkably quickly, because Fjordback went through the sweet spot on his tyres a handful of laps ago, he's had a series of slightly slower laps since, it might have been traffic affected, but uh, certainly it's very, very clear from Loic Duval that he's pressing on hard, but then again, he doesn't expect to be down in 8th place, don't suppose he'll be there come the end of his stint somehow. Still keeping tabs on the pit stops in the LMP3 category. I reckon the class leader has done one of each, a long and a short stop. Likewise for the second-place car of Robert McGuinness for RLRM Sport. Nigel Moore's in a slightly better position because that car has two 150-second pit stops under its belt. So when he has to stop, well, has stopped two further times, as is the case for the cars ahead of it on the road. Uh, but it, th those two stops will be the shorter variety. So he's the 13 car in the best position when you look at that, those three. Vincent Capillaire's car has, again, done a long and a short one. Duncan Tappy's number three car will come into the equation because United Autosports have done their two long stops already. Two short ones still to come. So Nigel Moore and Duncan Tappy's cars on an even keel here in terms of serving the more difficult stops earlier on in the race. Meantime, from eighth position, Anders Fjord back for high-class racing down pit road, and this will be to hand over finally to Dennis Anderson, his bronze teammate. This will be the first time we've seen Dennis in the race, won't it? Indeed. I have a thought to throw to your side of the commentary booth. Yes. Remember when the United Autosports cars made their pit stops, they were first and second, by dint of staying out? Yes. Longest. Phil Hansen was leading. Will Owen was somewhat further back down the order, but as other people pitted, Will came up the order. Does that mean, because they're always making their pit stops behind everyone else, that that might give them a swing at the end of the race? Possibly. 
coming up the order. There's Will an opportunity there, more isn't there? Do you think? Um, Aaron 17 left, one more. Well, yeah, if you made a stop now, that will be good for the next 40 minutes, and then, yes, you would be fine for one more stop for the remaining 40 minutes. By the way, just some contact, I think, in the LMP3 category, which may well have involved... I want to say Nigel Moore, but his last lap time was, was quite respectable. So was it actually the 34 car that uh, suffered some contact? Difficult to pick that one out in the darkness. It happened down at turn three. No, turn five, rather, and hopefully get another chance to, to look at that. But yes, because you're on a completely different strategy, it's all about where the chequered flag falls, isn't it? And if yeah. you can be out front at that exact point, doesn't really matter how much fuel is left in the belly, you could uh, run out of fuel on the slowing down lap, as long as it's not the very final lap. I will look at, um, try and attempt to work out where each of the, the key runners are in LMP2, whether that situation will bubble up towards the end. Well, it's properly dark, not clear to see an awful lot of things, but one thing that's very clear indeed is Nico Germain and Panis Racing leading by over half a minute, lapping well, not as fast as some of the chasers, but a 30-plus second advantage, 40-second over the car in third place, which is Gabriel Aubrey, is a huge margin with one hour, just over an hour and a quarter remaining in this race. So it's uh, Nico Germain from James Allen. Graf have just been quietly chipping away, chipping away. They're very much in the mix, but the quicker cars are all further down the order. Gabriel Aubry for, for Algarve Pro Racing in third place. Another car lapping very well indeed. Loic Duval, we've just talked about him. He's seventh, going well. Paul Chatin even faster in eighth place. Just half a second down on Duval. Very, very tight indeed. So not all the fastest runners are at the front. This could be very, very interesting. But right now, Algarve Pro Racing has shown really good pace, particularly the 25 car fastest lap in the race, second fastest lap of the race I think was the sister car, Loic Duval so clearly they've got it set up very well for the drier conditions yeah, It's been interesting to watch that yin and yang nature of uh, cars set up for different phases of the race and we had that spell where the Goodyear shot cars were very strong indeed around about sunset time and as the heat of the day slowly dissipated you'd think it will stay reasonably warm as far as track temperature is concerned although it's been nowhere near as hot as it was yesterday here at Le Castellet plus 30 degrees for Friday and the free practice sessions and then the temperature dropped for the best part of 10 degrees overnight there was some rainfall as well and there's been plenty of precipitation today as well well Rennie Binder went very quickly when he took over the Inter-Europol competition this year he's got plenty of company now Loic Duval right behind him uh, for Algarve Pro Racing, both of them being caught by the Edex Sports Orica of Paul Chatin, who's another second down. So three cars covered by one and a half seconds. It's the battle for sixth place, and catching both of them is Philippe Albuquerque. He's another 20 seconds back, but he has just set the fastest lap of the race. The Portuguese flyer doing what it says on the tin. Yeah, really impressive, as always, Philippe Albuquerque. Three pole positions to his name already this season, the third of which was achieved earlier today in really trying and difficult conditions but somehow Albuquerque found the grip it was just quite astounding to witness having uh, watched him a number of times in the uh, uh, 24 hours of Daytona in really tricky conditions as well particularly on that infield section just seems to have a sixth sense when grip is at a real premium how much to push and how much to be conservative 
Seventh place, Loic Duval. Not long ago, he had the fastest lap of the race, and he's just right on the boot lid now of Rene Binder in the Inter Europol competition car. So three cars circulating together for sixth, seventh, and eighth places. Binder Duval, Paulu Chata is just out of frame, but at very close quarters. There he is, popping out at turn 13. So will there be another attempted move down into turn one? Duval was, is even closer this time around than last time. He's just a quarter of a second down. He's going on the outside run. Oh, I'm not sure that's the way to go down into turn one. He's having a look, will possibly dive up the inside. Maybe he doesn't feel he's quite close enough, but he sweeps around the outside. That was an epic maneuver. Hold on, yeah, <laughs> done and dusted. Clearly that long, you know, foreshortened angle when you're looking from the front. It looks like he was uh, only half a car length clear, but turned in, got the corner, round the outside. What do I know? Hmm. Duval knows a whole lot more. Yeah, and uh, sadly for Binde, he's going to lose another place as well, because that's Pulik Chata, I think, who just uh, bagged a place to depose Binde to eighth position. So Duval up to sixth. Pauluk Chata, seventh for Edex Sport, and René Binder, no real chance of any reply. The only Ligier in the entry in LMP2, and had been going very strongly indeed, up as high as fourth from memory, yeah, when the table Sizakian was doing the driving. But it's uh, a little unfair for that lone Ligier with all these Oricas battling very, very hard, and the 07 car for the main part is the chassis to have. But it's really good to, to watch that Ligier sort of against the grain, flirt with some good results. I think we're getting closer to the pit stops as a number of drivers, their cars clearly getting lighter, drivers waiting to take over, seeing Will Pete Stevens pacing out, and pace he should because his car is leading the race and his time at the wheel is coming up very soon, just over an hour and ten minutes remaining in this race, but just get this, it's a 33-second lead. I think we're going to see one of those epic uh, Olivier Panis smiles as long as all goes well but if you're putting Will Stevens in the car you've got to be pretty confident indeed he is very very quick and that car lapping very respectable at the moment 1 minute 45.3 seconds last time round gaining another second on James Allen who's second in his graph racing example Algarve Pro Racing Gabriel Aubrey in third but he's just not quite able to live with Allen he's been chipping away but there's still nine seconds between second and third but the most important figure is first it's gone out from 33 seconds to 34 seconds so Nico Jamin coming up towards that final pit stop and still stretching an advantage for Olivier Panis's team and the thing that looks uh, even better for Panis Racing is that the cars that are chasing it don't have any advantage either way on their uh, stint times because they're, they're all pitted on the same lap at the start of this particular stint, lap 69, so they are 15, yeah, just about to tick over to 15 laps into their stint, Nico Jama, James Allen and Gabriel Obrey. So we'd expect them to stop somewhere around the 40-minute mark to go. And there is just a little bit of a question about United Autosports, who are not quite as far into their stints. Philippe Albuquerque, only eight laps old in that number 22 car. Yeah, but his lap pace is, is appreciably quicker than Rennie Binder. We've seen Binder just falling back, losing two positions in one lap. And a chance for another glance at a replay. <laughs> I have to hold my <laughs> heart in my mouth. It's right in front of the number 77 Porsche that has been one of the magnets in this race, but yes. it was a prototype car coming around the outside and he managed to stay, by driving off the track, stay out of the way. 
So a good save by Proton Competition and Michele Beretta, who's, who could fill a scrapbook with his experiences from his third share of this race. And the prototype in question, I reckon, was Jonathan Hershey from the Duquesne team, because it was a very slow first sector. He lost 13 seconds as a result of that spin. Another fastest lap of the race for Loic Duval from sixth position for the Algarve Pro Racing outfit. It's a 144.2 this time. So that car sixth. How far into his stint is Loic Duval? He's a couple of laps behind the three out front. 13 laps just completed by the Frenchman. Yeah, he's 1.4 seconds down. Paul Chatin is still close to him, but uh, with that mistake by Hershey, he is being caught hand over fist. It's 0.7 of a second now. Hershey's still heading on for Duquesne team in fifth place overall, but Loic Duval, well, he's got the smell in his nostrils, hasn't he? Hunting him down and must be said very very quick behind him is Paul Chatin staying with him and uh, setting about the third fastest lap of the race for good measure as well. He's just another two and a bit seconds further back. Sorry, 1.3 seconds further back. Good sector times being offered now by Gabby Aubry and by Jean-Éric Ver. And after that uncharacteristic mistake at turn one, ten minutes or so ago, so G Drive and the Aris running fourth, finding time all the time. Meanwhile, in the LMP3s, the lead gaggle of seven cars, they're not all together on track, but they've all stopped twice. Two more stops for each of those cars required. But there's a different combination depending on which one you're looking at. One or two cars have to do a long and a short stop. Others, just two short, 40-second stops before they can run to the flag. So the complexion of LMP3 set to change quite a bit, probably in the favour of the third-place car, Nigel Moore, into Europol competition. And I reckon in a good spot is the number three of Duncan Tappy as well. And yeah, that's, that has a great potential to change. We're not very far away from another of one of the short stops, perhaps on the hour, maybe just after it. And then they'll all have to come on in for the extra one, which is purely uh, for the worry of the fuel consumption and that new engine. Now, if people watching, streaming, whatever around the world in this race, you might be going, it's a four-hour race. We know the name is the Le Castellet 240, 240 minutes, but the clocks don't seem to line up. And that's because we started just before the 6.30 scheduled start time. And that's because the race was started at 6.26 behind the safety car we had a couple of how many laps it was behind the safety car about no. three maybe four laps and then they were released on their way track conditions were absolutely foul it had just stopped raining but walking across the paddock before the start of the race half an hour before the start of the race there were one and one or two centimeters of water everywhere the track drains better but there was so much spray absolutely the right decision and uh, the fact we had almost no spinners once the cars got released uh, shows it was a very very wise call from race control we do have a spinner now Car number 16, have we said that before? Car number 16 spins in this race. It seems uh, Lorenzo Velia spent a lot of time spinning. Nick Adcock's had a go as well, but uh, many of these moves, uh, an assist, in fact. Nick Adcock being spun around there, so not his fault at all. A gaggle of P2 cars coming through behind, and one of them caught his tail, and I think that was uh, Rennie Binder who was at the wheel. He's certainly out in the P2 car from Inter-Europol competition, so join those dots. It was five minutes at the start of the race that we had a, a safety car, so at those speeds, three laps, probably. Now we've got a, a graph car limping back without the requisite number of inflated tyres. Car number nine 
And that's Vincent Capillaire, so I thought he was shortcutting that final sequence of corners. He's got to get that into the pit lane for fresh rubber, but unfortunately for him, he's uh, down in sixth place in class and uh, losing position all the time. So David Drew for Real Team Racing mm, may be able to go past him very shortly indeed. Into turn five goes the Edex Sport 28 car, and that's now running fifth. Paul Uchata, 13, nearly 14 seconds away from Jean-Éric Verne, but pressure potentially from behind, although that uh, move had been made recently. Chata overtaking, oh dear, yes. Upside down, it's the 24 car, Loic Duval, by the look of things, trying to pick out where that is. Safety car out onto the circuit. Very, very quick reactions from race control. So... Don't often see a prototype on its roof. I remember an Algarve Pro Racing machine doing this last year at Spa-Francorchamps, possibly, after a big off at Pouan. So, if it is another Stuart Cox car, Loic Duval, who, yes, is tumbling down the order. And Loic Duval is over the barriers on the outside as his car is lying upside down, so that's good to see. Didn't see how that situation occurred, but Duval had been just a few laps ago setting fastest laps of the race. He still holds one. Lap 83, he set that lap 86. Unfortunately, the car went over. We'll see if we can find out what went on. But again, when the car's upside down, it's white and black, that car, but uh, very, very hard to pick out. But tail end into the barrier. A very dramatic moment, and yes, it's great to see Loic Duval already out of the car and watching now the marshals work. It appears to be on the entrance to Double Dwat, so they've gone through scene, and we see, we've seen a lot of cars bunching into that corner. It's very hard to work out where that is, but that's my guess. I think it's the entry, well, far over the huge amount of runoff you have at Double Dwat is my guess is where it is. In fact, the cameras have to swing around to find the track eventually. It's so far from the edge. If we can see the pit buildings in the background, which I think we will at any moment. Yes, it's double Dwight. Now you can see the pit buildings back right-hand side of the screen. So one can only guess there were a, a group of cars going around there. But I st still, it's a long way off the circuit. You have cars spinning and go, if they've got four wheels on the, on the tarmac over those uh, increasingly grippy stripes, you don't normally have a car going in upside down or ending up upside down. Probably the right way up until it hit the tie wall. That's my guess. Yeah. Doesn't time fly? It was actually three years ago when one of Stuart Cox's cars ended up on its roof at uh, Pouan at Spa-Francorchamps. That was when the 25 car ended up upside down with Andrea Roda at the wheel, flipping onto uh, its roof, and that made the extraction of Roda at the time rather difficult. I'm amazed that uh, Loic Duval was able to reel free and so quickly. But great to see, and a real shame, because that car could end up with the fastest lap of the race, ironically. It was showing speed all the time. We haven't yet been able to see exactly what happened, but as you say, normally the speed is arrested well before the car finds the wall at the perimeter of the circuit. Well, you can see there are actually some... I was trying to work out if it's a shadow or if it's a skid mark. It might actually just be a shadow across one of those red bands. It's a really hard... You can't see any damage per se to the tyre wall but maybe the damage is immediately behind where the car is at the moment but uh, an odd one and I'm just trying to see if anybody else dived into the pits possibly with damage we had the uh, number nine graph from the P3 class Vincent Capillaire coming in with a puncture was that after a collision with Loic Duval I think it was just somewhat before but I wouldn't want to you know take a big bet on that no tricky to tell having not really been able to see uh who Loic was in and around at the time. Well, he'd been gaining positions, hadn't he? Had Paul Chatin just a, a short distance behind him. So That's right. In that battle for about fifth, sixth place. 
Yeah, having well made a move on Brennan Binder and Paul Lichata then followed suit, didn't he? And got ahead of Binder to slot into fifth place, well, sixth place at the time. They've all gained positions now as uh, everyone moves up to upper spot. And really sad to see that the 24 car is not going to get a result. So uh, all eyes to the 25 now, the other side of the garage at Algarve Pro Racing in a podium slot. Provisionally, car with no lights. Car with no lights running off the side That's of the circuit. Duquesne, possibly Nielsen Duquesne. So that's not Colin Noble is it it is Colin Noble oh leading gosh. the LMP3 class it's a single digit race number definitely a seven on the nose yeah it's Colin Colin Noble no power whatsoever coming out of turn 11 and oh how frustrating is this nightmare stuff to watch the rest of the field dictated by the safety car to just go by on his left hand side he's desperately trying to restart the car I am sure in the cockpit probably on the radio as well for advice from the team but that car was definitely in the shake-up, and it will mean that Robert McGuinness of RLRM Sport now becomes the new LMP3 leader. And amazingly, they've got the uh, Lloyd Duval car onto the right way up and pushed it out from behind the, to, to behind the barriers up at Double Duart. So we saw the driver over the top of the barriers. Let's have a look. Is there a replay that will help us know? There's yes. a bit of pushing and shoving in front of... Duval, that's we saw the number 16 car go, go round. Duval oh, was he, given he was a... on the outside, that was the problem. So there was a the sandwich pincer movement, if you like. Now, what car was that that we were watching the view from? Tricky to tell, but Loic Duval was going around the outside of a, effectively a spinning 16 car that caused it all. And it was diminishing returns as everyone tried to go left and then the car behind went left again and Loic Duval just found himself off the track trying to avoid all the carnage and the side-by-side -side contact pitched his car up onto two wheels and then over onto its roof. What a crash and a, a moment that was towards the, the end of this race. We've just entered, by the way, the final hour of the Lucasile 240. I'm not quite sure who's writing this script right now, uh, but um, I hope they're leaving some stuff in the can for the crescendo right at the end, because we've had action aplenty and a chance, I'm sure, to have a look back at all of this in the next few minutes, but it's still kicking off with Colin Noble unable to leave the scene. He's on the inside of Garlaban, the right-hander at turn 12. They've done amazing work to recover Loic Duval's stricken machine. Not sure he's ever had an accident like that before in his career. Well, effectively, it was the bunch of cars just ahead of him. Yeah, oh, that, this might be a good view as well. The spinning instant. He went around the out, outside. Oh, his tail so end was, was that just... graph car that uh, we're on board with? Yeah, the red sill, blue and red. So that will be 39, quite possibly, on the inside, making side-to-side -side contact with Loic Duval, who in turn was trying to avoid as well. And it was everybody checking up, almost in a classic motorway accident, to avoid the 16-spinning BHK car. And they just ran out of road further and further back. Little choice but for those two LMP2 cars to make contact because you've got the 16 car coming backwards across the track from right to left. And eventually there was going to be nowhere to go. I think it was the, the J James Allen car. Well, that's, well, that's still, still going, going in second, second place. No, it? that was further ahead. That doesn't ahead. make sense. doesn't okay. make sense. I sense that front wing had a, a slash of orange on it, which it could be red in the dark. It's very, very hard to tell. But it looked for a moment as though Lloyd Duval was actually going to gain more positions because he had more momentum through that point on the corner. 
and um, oh, dearie me. I'm also being reminded that uh, er, much earlier on in the day, Colin Noble had to do a quick reset at the start of qualifying. Great, uh, great memory there from Graham Goodwin of DailySportsCar.com uh, to recall that. But yes, maybe it is uh, the that old problem biting again. Colin Noble still stationary and has given up the LMP3 lead. So at 6:30. This, this evening, when it was much lighter but much wetter, we got the Lucas Delay 240 underway with a safety car start. I reckon it was three laps behind the safety car before we were then rolling and at race speed. It really didn't take too long for the action to kick off, and there was plenty of overtaking to feast our eyes upon. Side-by-side -side action down the Mistral straight with the G-Drive Aris unable to match the speed of Konstantin Tereshenko for Duquesne team. He wasted no time getting up the second place. There was this awkward moment in the LMP3s as darting at the inside Euro International but those places would be um, reversed, I think, in the next few corners. Then Phil Hansen had a decision to make. Would he go left or right of a spinning Rodrigo Sales in the JMW Motorsport Ferrari? And Mikkel Jensen, having lined Nicola Lapierre up for an overtake for the race lead, finally got the job done through the double droite. And Mikkel Jensen in the Auris would enjoy his time out front, albeit relatively briefly. The 74 Kessel Racing Ferrari went for a rotation at turn four and would rejoin safely. There was also then some further contact for Louis Saint-Jouin, whose rear left on the uh, Duquesne from Graf was attacked by the number 16 car. That would result in a puncture and a safety car to retrieve all the bits of Michelin tyre strewn across the Mistral straight. More battling for the 37 car of Cool Racing and Nicolas Lapierre, this time with the 30 of Nico Jama at that point in the race, I think. Gilles Duquesne thoroughly enjoyed that overtake, nevertheless. No, was Tereshenko still? Because remember, he'd overtaken under the safety car, gave the place back, and then we got underway again, and he did it legally this time. 31 for Panis Racing uh, found its way out front. That was Nico Jama. This Bizarre moment for Jean-Éric Verne, all on his own, entering the first corner, turning right rather than left. He was straight on the anchors. And then this very bizarre moment, which resulted in a roll for Lloyd Duval, caught on the wrong side of initially a spinning 16 car. The Inter-Europol machine did incredibly well to avoid all of that incident. Uh, but the meat and the sandwich we're still trying to identify. Loic Duval caught on the left-hand side, sideways glance. And doesn't it show how much these cars are on the ragged edge, despite them being so reliant on the aerodynamic grip? It didn't take a lot to pitch that... Uh, uh, Agar Pro car up onto two wheels and then it went fully over and skated on its roll hoop all the way to the barrier. Nico Jama leads LMP2. Robert McGuinness has just inherited the lead in LMP3 because of another mechanical drama for the number seven car. They had an issue uh, earlier on in the day during the qualifying session and Colin Noble just can't refire the seven car to get it back into contention. Still shown as stopped out on track. GTE in the hands of Rahel Fry she leads the category but how much of a margin has she got now with his safety cars out on track over Marcus Gomez and Michele Beretta we will tell you very shortly well it's come down and down as it does behind safety car periods and by dint of people watching in the press room and us watching the replays we've now sort of worked out who hit whom 
in that incident that put Duval onto his roof. It was 13 contacting 16. The 16, it was all the P3 cars uh, hitting, hitting trouble there and hitting each other. And uh, then the car that put uh, Duval onto his roof, watching on board through its windscreen, it's the number nine graph entry of Vincent Capillaire. He had to jink around number 16, so he didn't hit it. And unfortunately, straight into the outside of Duval, having just missed the other Algarve Pro Racing car of Gabriel Aubrey. And for Duval, he thought, I might be gaining a few positions here. And then, unfortunately, he picked the shortest straw in all of that. And really, no blame can be uh, put on the door of Vincent Capillaire. He had to move to his left because the track in front of him was filled with that sideways number 16. So, so tricky for the crews down there in the dark. And uh, unfortunately for BHK Motorsport, their car has had a, a few spins, was pitched into one, we think, by uh, Nigel Moore. It was certainly an inter-Europol competition, yellow and green car in the dark, turning into turn number nine. But the, the person who found everything, all the odds diminished and diminished, and eventually over he went uh, for Loic Duval. It's a shame, because he could have been pitching towards a podium position. Yeah. I did think that the car carrying the camera that was the meat in the sandwich did have the, the graph livery on with the blue uh, light pod and the red light pod. I just hadn't figured it might be an LMP3 car, but that's exactly who it was. Vincent Capillaire, the number nine, now in the garage for repair work. And which that means that the 39 car, the LMP2 entry from Graf, completely unaffected by that incident. And that's the reason why James Allen still sits there in second place, right behind Nico Yama in the safety car queue. This is going to be a very entertaining restart. And you certainly feel for Panis Racing. I was just saying moments before that, well, we could have a famous Olivier Panis smile, but he's just seen over half a minute advantage being wiped down to next to nothing. Of course, they will control the restart, but uh, those final pit stops will be hoving into view very, very soon indeed. I think uh, well, we'll see if United All Sports leave it really, really late this time as well. They only seem to be in the mix. By well, in the first stint, it was all good for the number 22, but at the moment, Philippe Albuquerque, he's been lapping as fast as the car can go, but he's only in seventh position overall. They're going to need something very special if they're going to have a hope, even a glint of a hope, to make it three wins from three. You have to say Panis Racing sitting looking very pretty at the moment. And, of course, we're in a situation where Will Stevens can't get a break in terms of being in the car at this point. We haven't had any Will Stevens yet. Julian Canal did a decent chunk at the start of the race. Nicolas Jamin sort of trapped him there, waiting for the opportunity. He's going to have to see this stint through now to about the 40-minute mark to go, and then they will install, presumably, Will Stevens to the finish and hope that, uh, that nobody's exceeded the drive time. Will Stevens should be fine for one and only one stint at the end of this race. The safety car lights, I think, were out then. Yes, it's going to be in this lap. That's confirmed on the screen as well. So any uh, wave by, pass around has been completed. A little bit earlier on. Actually, there's a batch of cars making their way down the Mistral straight now, desperately trying to catch up with the safety car train. They're pretty much there now. Yeah, because of a slight glitch with how the positioning of those cars worked on our track map. But, uh, yeah, 55 Matt Griffin, Spirit of Race Ferrari, virtually there on the boot lid now of David Drew. So Rahel Fry leading GTE as the green flag is waved once again. In LMP3, it is Robert McGuinness for the RLRM Sport crew. They still need to stop two further times. And Panis Racing, Nico Jama will be out front just by James from James Allen at the restart. 50 minutes to go of the Le Castellet 240. 
try and pick out which car is where in the glare of headlights. They're all arriving at Turn 1 together, pretty much. But Jamma Ala Aubry, Jean-Éric Verne is the top four currently. And for Jean-Éric Verne, at least that gives him a chance to atone for that mistake when he uh, went off and lost about 20 seconds, was it? Certainly a fair chunk, no, 13 seconds it was, getting it wrong at Turn 1. Of course, under the safety car, able to close those up again. He didn't lose position, and now he hasn't lost the time, so uh, doesn't have to be red of face. Cars 13 and 16, incident at turn nine, that's the one that caused the safety car under investigation. Car number 13 running second in the P3 class. In fact, now having just dived into the pits, Nigel Moore at the wheel. And number 16, Nick Adcock, he was the one that was punted sideways. He was the one that inadvertently uh, triggered uh, the cars swerving to driver's left and putting Loic Duval, who's trying to go around the outside of a lot of them, into the tyre wall on his roof. Now, this is a really interesting pit stop within LMP3 because I reckon it's going to be a long stop for car 15 that has come in from the lead of the race. It's only done one of its two long stops, so it has to be 150 seconds. It was a quick one, though, as predicted for Nigel Moore. So there is a little bit of a cloud hanging over the 13 car regarding that contact with 16, but on the road, Nigel Moore back out very quickly indeed, a 58-second stop. That was purely for fuel. Not sure whether they were done tyres as well. They didn't need to do a driver change. David Drew also with a quick one as well. A minute and a second for the number eight car that started from pole position after sterling work for David Drew in the qualifying session earlier today. So I did think the complexion of LMP3 was going to change. Duncan Tappy, two stops to his name. Surely he's going to stop on this lap or at most the, one, the next one. And I reckon that three car that now leads LMP3 has done two long stops as well. So the two short blasts of fuel required for United Autosports number three. GTE, it's now Spirit of Race. Matt Griffin leading the way, the third driver into that 55 Spirit of Race Ferrari. And uh, almost all of his rivals in the pit lane at the moment. Michel, Michel Gatting has just taken over from Rahel Fry. Rahel, again, another really solid, solid run in this race. And certainly doing great things for Iron Links. Suddenly really busy down the Mulsard straight, two abreast, three abreast, and for the cameraman at the end, all he can see is a wall in the haze of the combination of five sets of headlights they come towards him. Almost impossible to pick them out. Yeah, I think the JMW Motorsport Ferrari was in the middle of that little lot, and he was trying to stay well over to the right to avoid getting in the way, but uh, the, the GTE cars, every right to take their part on the track of course going to Jeanette therefore on an outlap staying well to the right and then he can allow those prototypes by and hopefully get the car over to the left to line up for a very rapid senior corner at the end of the Mistral straight snaking their way through Galabin corner now and up towards Virage du Lac those two prototypes at close quarters the remaining Algarve Pro racing car of Gabriel Aubry pursuing Paul-Luc Chatin in the EDEC Sport car, so third and fourth on the road, these two cars. They're only three seconds away from James Allen, who in turn is four seconds adrift of Nico Jamma. but Jamma's pace looks mighty. He's just set his car's best lap of the race, a 144.987, so he's not really being faced by this pressure. If anything, he's turning up the wick with a new absolute best time through sector three. So... It's been quiet. We suddenly had the busy time in the pits. The P3 cars came in, the GTE cars. But, of course, what we really want to see is the P2 cars, the front runners, 
pit stops coming to a screen sometime near you very, very soon indeed. So it's Nico Jaman leading. Don't forget that lead was 32, 33, 34 seconds. Then we had the safety car. James Allen got to within a second or so behind the safety car, but they've been really good laps for Jamat, stretching his advantage out to four and a bit seconds. Might be a bit bittersweet, but he's doing what he can to give the car over to Will Stevens, still in the lead of the race. So we just seen Jamin complete lap 24 of this current stint looking further back Julien Canard was able to do a 27 lap stint but I think there was a bit of safety car in amongst that and we're going to see Jamin, Alain and uh, Chata pit towards the end of this lap actually Gabriel Aubry is on the same strategy effectively as well how long can they make this stint can they bridge the gap another five minutes or so to make sure that it's a 40-minute stint to finish things off? But one of the things that's just so interesting, after this safety car, it's totally changed the complexion of the race. For Panis Racing, they've shed half a second of lead, but it has shunted everybody else into close company with each other. Jamma in, I thought so. It was the end of a 25-lap stint, so uh, it's going to be touch and go here, whether they'll need a splash now between uh, this point and the end of the race. They will be doing a driver change here as well. So maybe because the pit stop's going to be the longest of, of the ones that they can do, i.e. Uh, fuel, driver, and probably tyres as well, depending on how, how many Michelins they've got in the back of the garage left over, maybe they can make this work. It really depends on how many laps this race is going to go to. The incident at Turn 9, which caused the safety car, is under investigation. We knew about that. There's going to be a drive-through penalty for car 13. Nigel Moore for causing the contact car 16 that's what kicked off the whole incident that eventually saw Loic Duval on his roof and Nigel Moore running second in LMP3 will have to come through the pit lane that's going to cost him at least 23 seconds point to point and more than that because you're going at such a slow speed now with that period behind the safety car it might have compressed all the cars it's also brought the United Autosports car closer to the front it, it reduced its disadvantage and don't forget, Johnny, we have this little hunch that the United Autosport car will be the last one into the pits. If in, you know, how short will that pit stop be? It may be a real chance for a race that looks like it's gone away from United Autosports to be just tantalisingly closer for them. It looks yeah. like they were coming, going to come away with next to nothing. Now, the prediction says 21, maybe 22 laps to the finish, so maybe there will be within the operating window. If they can do 25 should be easily able to do this without the need for a splash and that goes for the former race leader uh, 31 Will Stevens now uh, formerly Nico Jamar of course now rejoining the race Tom Alaron in the 39 Graf car should be fine to the finish Richard Bradley takes over the Edex Sport car that had been driven by Paul-Luc Chatter in his lengthy stint as well so looking at something like 115 maybe 116 laps total we're on lap 95 now and those three cars that have all pitted on the same lap should be fine to the finish by the calculations currently being run Gabby Obrey also pitting from third Rene Binder follows suit and these are all fine as well to the finish I'd say but whenever you get uh, fuel critical runs to the end of the race it's where is the race leader when the four hours are completed. If there's one more lap that it just goes on to, it could be critical for those behind. And it's oh. raining again. Bear that in mind, 42 minutes remaining in this four-hour race, and we were sitting comfortably at home. <laughs> Things are about to change. 
I love this kind of fire-like, uh, luminescent uh, lighting as well because of the haze that we have around Turkey Pori car. Those floodlights look red rather than white, adding further drama to the end of this race. We are now at the point where the LMP2s can make it to the flag. And it is a straight fight between, well, those three cars that were practically nose to tail prior to the last batch of stops. It means that Jean-Éric Verne, that now leads the race, will struggle to win this. Likewise for Philippe Albuquerque in the championship leading United Autosports car number 22. Will Stevens just took over the Panis Racing Orica on the Goodyear tyre and should resume as the race leader just as soon as Jean-Éric Verne and Philippe Albuquerque Albuquerque come in for their fourth and final stops. You can hear the clickety-clack of slide rules and abacuses up and down the pit lane. People trying to work out not just where they are with fuel and how much they... if they can get to the end of the race, how are their rivals doing as well? And so <laughs> in this model, modern day of uh, tactical racing, you think you've got it nailed down. Then there's a safety car period. Reappraise, throw all your works in the bin and uh, certainly it's going to be very, very critical at the front end of the field as well as the fact that it's starting to rain again making things very tricky indeed but G-Drive Racing, Jean-Éric Verne had that moment where he ran off uh, the, at uh, turn one, rejoined about, lost about a dozen seconds got it back under the safety car Philippe Albuquerque took over from Philip Hansen he has got to within, well it was one and a half seconds it's now two and a half seconds of Verne at the front end of the race. So a race that looks like it gone away from United Autosports could be swinging back there in the mix, but we really think the numbers on fuel are going to be so, so tight at the end of four hours. Some teams are invariably not going to get it right. Yeah, 21, 22 laps. I think teams have done that comfortably, even without the safety car intervention. But I am reminded we've had safety car during the last stint, which extended one or two teams to that 25-lap marker. Maybe it's less comfortable than I'm suggesting. Normally, I do it on time. 40 minutes, stint-wise, is absolutely doable. But when you're pitting with 45, 44 minutes on the clock, it's closer. And the thing is, the soon-to-become race leaders, i.e. Will Stevens, Tom Oleron, and they're not going to be in a comfortable situation where they can start to fuel save. Stevens under huge pressure from Tom Laurent. There's six tenths of a second between those two now. Panis versus Graf. And they were just as close prior to the final stops, in inverted commas, final stops. Don't forget, though, the Graf car was uh, gained over half a minute with the arrival of that safety car. True. Because uh, certainly Nico Germain was looking very pretty at the front of the field. But Will Stevens doing a really, really good job. But must be say, Tom Laurent doing a, a, a job to within a tenth of a second of him. It's very. Very tight indeed, but uh, one good bit of news. I just spot that uh, Loic Duval has made it back to the pit garage. We saw he got over the barriers under his own steam and, uh, you know, a really unusual moment to see uh, a prototype on its roof. Not his fault at all. New fastest lap of the race by the driver in the lead of the race. One minute, 43.992 seconds for Jev. Jean-Éric Verne for the G-Drive Racing Aurus. He's now 2.2 seconds ahead of Philippe Albuquerque, but what a sweet moment to find a cracking lap for Verne. The other thing we need to think about is if it does start to rain again, just a, a light shower, then the later you leave your pit stop, the more that gives you wriggle room to change your tyre choice. Might be the option to bolt Inters on for Jean-Éric Verne and Philippe Albuquerque are going to run deeper into this race. So <laughs> all could change yet. Those that have just pitted and can make the, if they can make the finish, they are committed now to slick tyres. 
unless it absolutely deluges and they might have little choice but to come in for another stop. Well, I'm delighted to say we can probably now catch up with uh, a shocked but uh, well Loic Duval. Let's uh, hear his perspective of that crash with Haley. I'm down here joined by Loic Duval, driver of car number 24 from Alvar Pro Racing. Can you hear me? OK, firstly, if you could take us through what happened in the instant there. Yeah. Sorry, I, I feel a little bit like a rock star in the 70s with that thing. Um, I mean, all good, to be honest, thank you. Uh, at least this time, uh, you guys have been good enough to record it, because last time I, I flipped in Le Mans, I mean, I didn't have any, any images. Uh, no, it's a shame, you know, I mean, uh, I arrived in Le Bossier, there is only one dry line, you know, due to the track conditions. And uh, I arrived in Le Bossier, the guys spawn in front, uh, so I went on, uh, on, on the outside to, uh, to avoid that, and uh, one car which was in between the spin and myself, you know, just went to the left, uh, really at, at the end to, to avoid the crash, and uh, I believe he had nowhere to go, but unfortunately I, I didn't have anywhere to go to, and uh, he took me on the side and I, and I flipped over. And you, up until then, you've been showing some great lap times. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a shame because, I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a new team, we are working hard to, to make it work, you know, I mean, we were competitive here in July. Uh, we struggled a little bit more in Spa, but we had the pace today to fight uh, at the front. I mean, we were fighting for sure for the top five, probably the podium. And uh, I still believe that we have the fastest lap, you know. So I think the, the car was good. The tires were going a pretty good job. Unfortunately, we are not able to make it until the end of the race. So that's, uh, that's a shame for everybody. Yeah, it's a long memory there, but of course, that certain things at Le Mans would stick with you. That flip at Le Mans, I want to say 2012, maybe 2011, but as he said, it was early on in the week, and all we saw was the aftermath of what was left of that car. Couldn't believe that Loic Duval was actually able to uh, walk away or at least uh, head to the medical centre after that with little injury. It was a frightening moment at Porsche Curves, I remember. And this one slightly at a slower speed roll, although high speed he was doing at the time and um, very difficult to actually react, as he said. It was a classic freeway accident where, you know, people immediately behind were able to check up, but those behind just couldn't react in time. Really good to hear Loic Duval, compass mentis, and able to actually reflect on that situation. So... I don't know, so balanced. Well, you, you know, the thing about it, it's almost like they remove all emotion from that. The analysis, he was probably analysing as it happened. He thought <laughs> that car might go 10, you know, 10 degrees to its left. That's fine. Oh, no, it's gone 40 degrees to its left. Boom, over he went. But yeah, cool, calm, collected and healthy. That's the most important thing. So cars in the pits, BHK Motorsport, car number 35. They're tail enders in of the 14 remaining runners in the P1 class. And uh, Sergio Campana taking it over again. He started the race. Did he not? No, in fact, Francesco Draconi started, then it went to Sergio, but they're one of the rare two-driver teams in the P2 class. So getting lots of lap time out on the circuit. Glad to report, though, whenever I look at the lights, there is rain, but it's, it's, it's made look worse than it is, I yeah. sense. It's fine rain picked up by very bright lights. Yeah, good point. Um, some cracking times coming in across the classes currently. Alessia Picariello has just done the fastest time in GTE, but he doesn't lead the class in the 77 Porsche. That is actually in the hands of Matt Griffin now for Spirit of Race. It's been a good while since the trio, Duncan Cameron, Aaron Scott, and Matt Griffin took a victory in the ELMS, and they are enjoying a, a very decent place to be currently. What's that? 
close to 30 seconds as an advantage over the Belgian driver in the Porsche. Michel Gatting third in the 83 Iron Links entry. Then it's David Perel and Nicholas Nielsen. And also a very good time just been posted by Laurence Hoer in LMP3. That represents the best time, uh, uh, fastest lap in LMP3, 152.677. When you consider we've been running for almost three and a half hours, we are seeing fastest laps within class being set this late on in the race. Well, Philippe Albuquerque leads the race. John Eric Verne, G-Drive Aris in the pit lane. He'll take it to the end of the race. It's refueling and fresh rubber one presumes. But the fastest lap of the race by the new race leader, Philippe Albuquerque. One minute 40. Why bother with a 144 if you could do a one minute 43.877 seconds? So Philippe Albuquerque, he's one pit stop behind all of his rivals. When will he pit? Will he pit? What will he do? We'll find out. Increasingly damp off the racing line where you can see uh, the remains of little puddles. They're actually water drops falling on them But I still don't really that's in the outfield the actual racing surface itself swept dry Water sucked out of it all the time by the 30 plus cars still going around here at Paul Ricard just over half an hour to go Situation constantly changing. We've totally. been saying that since the start of the race, but it swings one way swings the other and It's really gonna keep everyone on tenterhooks Jev back into the race, was leading in the G-Drive Racing Hours. Right now, that's in the hands of Philippe Albuquerque, the race lead, though, for United Autosports. And uh, another good lap being produced by the Portuguese racer. Working lap 100, and the track's possibly never been better here because three classes running in this race, three fastest laps from the classes uh, across a sort of five-minute period. And as you said, topped off by Philippe Albuquerque, who straight into the pits. So that car was very light on fuel. They'll put in as much as they need for the remaining 32 minutes. Yeah, just bear in mind, it's really the position relative to Will Stevens in the Panis Racing Orica that counts, and the gap between them at the start of the previous lap was 1 minute 4 seconds, and length of this pit stop is going to be absolutely critical if they can get right back into the mix. They've only got here, really, by the end of great pace in the car, but that safety car period really, really gave them a helping hand. But this is, these are the agonising sex, uh, seconds when that fuel minimum amount they could put in and get away with it goes on board but I think G-Drive Racing will now be in the lead oh, it's going to be so complicated. some estimations that uh, if the lead pair i.e. Panis Racing and Graf have to make a late pit stop for a splash they should still be okay in terms of holding on to those positions but it's I mean, touch and go and the whole situation very fluid indeed. But Philippe Albuquerque, I'm not sure whether that pit stop for United went all to plan because there were some frantic slapping of the desk and also much celebration down at G-Drive. Jean-Éric Verne, 100 laps completed. They are willing him on. And that car has just completed an outlap, I reckon. Fourth stop done, 57 seconds. They were delighted with that, so clearly they think they've hit the marker. Eight seconds ahead by the looks of things of a rejoining Philippe Albuquerque. This is so close. Will well, Stevens is right on the bootlid of Albuquerque well, as well. In I was fact, going he's to passed say, him. He would go past him because Albuquerque was accelerating out of the pit lane, and the gap between them is just, over, just under a second. Albuquerque in third place at the moment, Will Stevens in second, but Jean Eric Verne, no wonder they were cheering at G-Drive Racing. Eight seconds to the good for the French racer. Don't forget, he had an off-track moment, but yeah, he he's uh, recovered that under the safety car. We won't mention it again. Leading in the P3 class, it's United Autosports. You're quite right, Johnny. You said Duncan Tappy was looking very good. You said that when he's about sixth in class, but you worked out 
uh, just the relative speeds and the timing of the stops and its spirit of race. Matt Griffin looking very tidy indeed, up to a very impressive 18th overall to lead the GTE class. But the LMP3s, the ones at the sharp end, have still only made three stops. We need them in for a fourth time to, uh, to um, tick off this mandatory fuel mileage stop more than anything else. And don't be fooled if you look at the timing screens that into Europol competition. They'd made their fourth, but that was no. a drive-through, unfortunately. The last one for causing the incident that uh, tipped Loic Duval onto his roof up at uh, turn number nine, double droite. Yep, so the 23 seconds is a dead giveaway that it was a point-to-point, -point, not stopping with the team. Jean-Éric Verne out front then, 8.6 seconds to the good. He's opening up the advantage over Will Stevens. Philippe Albuquerque works his way back into the mixture in third, and the danger is now that Stevens and Albuquerque get so het up with their own location and that fight that they're losing time rather than working with each other. They need to try and haul in Jean-Éric Verne. But he is a master and uh, was only uh, not finishing second in the championship last year because I think for the first two races he was on Formula E duty but had performed some really good drives for the bulk of the ELMS season in 2019 and they just fell short, you'll remember, to Edex Sport at the final round, Car 28 eventual uh, champions. Stevens, Albuquerque, Thomas Laurent, nothing between them, Laurent... Remember that big crash he had at Spa when he tangled with Fritz van Erd? Well, he's absolutely fine after that and wants a podium again, something he was trying to go for at the time at Blanchemont three weeks ago. So which one is going to finish ahead of the other for that battle? 6.6 seconds, they found a little bit of time now on Jean-Éric Verne. That was eight seconds, so 145.5. Presumably the Frenchman stuck in quite a bit of traffic. The problem then for Stevens, Albuquerque and Laurent is that they'll find that traffic ultimately as well. Yeah, it could be a chance for Laurent, who's looking very, very busy indeed. Right on the tail of Philippe Albuquerque. They get a back marker. He looks so he's ready to pounce. Will Stevens hanging on in front of them by <laughs> just over, just under a fifth of a second. This ought to buy a bit more time for Jean-Éric Verne. It duly does. He, he gains, goes out from 6.6 .6 seconds to the good. That battle of second, third and fourth. Now 8.2 seconds behind him. Have they closed up around the final part of the lap? Oh, only by two tenths of a second. But this is just a second between Williams... William Stevens, Will Stevens in second place and Thomas Laurent in fourth. 27 minutes of knuckles out fighting. Big time. Gabby Obrey, just outside the top four, got 4.4 uh, seconds to try and find. But he I could join them. I he know. That's the thing. They're all getting bottled up around one another and the scrapping's not helping in ultimately trying to reel in Jean-Éric Verne. They're fighting over second, third and fourth. And Obrey, I think, will make it a fourth car in that lineup. Who's the next one? René Binder, he's just a bit too far away. Ten seconds adrift of the Aubrey car. But yes, I think you're right. We're going to have four cars, Linus Stern, duking it out for the lower positions on the podium. Well, it's all good news for the race leader, Jean-Éric Verne. This scrap for second, third and fourth, covered by just under a second. In fact, just six-tenths of a second from Stevens through Albuquerque to Laurent. So this is good news for Verne. Up the track now, 10.3 seconds, the good. A few moments ago, 6.6 .6 seconds, so he's really laughing into his helmet at the moment. The other thing to watch for is whether David Drew's finding time on Duncan Tappy. There's only four and a bit seconds between those two. And puzzled why David Drew took sort of three seconds longer. They both appear to be long stops for those 
shortened versions. That might be about right, actually. Duncan Tappy's last stop, 58 seconds. David Drew, a minute and one second. And Nigel Moore also still owes us a fourth stop, like those two guys ahead of him do. There's the potential for things to go wrong in that final stop, of course. With every pit stop, it may not go to plan. So we need to keep tabs on that one. The one, th one uh, area that seems to be more secure is the GTE lead. Matt Griffin in the box seat for Spirit of Race to potentially take that uh, trio's first victory in the ELMS since Monza 2018. Yeah, and the in intel on that is that they didn't pit with the others as the race went green and must have just done their pit stop before the safety car period because they were in the mix, but suddenly they've just come out right out front. And I think whatever Alessio Picariello, who's about 30 seconds back on the track, can do, the clock is counting down that quickly. Just 25 minutes remaining. The Belgians are starring that Proton competition Porsche, but uh, Matt Griffin, I think he can pace it from here. Yeah, and uh, very experienced in doing so. He also has uh, some experience of, of the track in different conditions having competed in the Michelin Le Mans Cup event uh, surprisingly for him he got a late call on Wednesday I think the week just gone to say uh, Matt you fancy uh, a bit of double bubble action two drives in one weekend and he snapped that up of course and uh, meant that uh, he got even more track time leading into the ELMS race tonight this is one of those trick questions Matt how many races are you doing at Paul Ricard? No, that's the wrong answer. It's two. <laughs> yeah, we'll double that. But he's a professional. You go, thank you very much. And particularly, actually, with all these tra changing conditions, I I'm sure every little element of knowledge he picked up about how the water sits on the circuit in, the, in these conditions, which are much cooler than expected at this time of year, um, has been invaluable for the Irishman. It's like balls of fire in the sky in the distance just because of the haze that hangs over Le Castellet and then the artificial lighting as well almost like a kind of campfire smoke in the air it's not but that uh, even adds a little bit of Le Mans to Le Castellet Le Mans in three weeks or so sadly without a crowd just like this event is being run and the TV can go so far in relaying the action uh, we hope that it's at least a substitute for being here in person but we definitely are thinking of all the fans that can't be on size and enjoy this uh, racing in the flesh hopefully that will change as we head for 2021. Now, one of the things, if the spirit of race Ferrari made that pit stop before the safety car period, that means it's uh, got less fuel left in the tank. True. It may have to be in before the others, so that's got three pit stops to its name, but Alessio Picariello in the chasing Proton Competition Porsche has four under the belt for the 77 Porsche. Another little twist we could put into this tangled heap of twisted twisted strings will pull them straight by the end of the race but the driver doing that at the moment is G-Drive Racing's uh, Jean-Éric Verne 10 seconds to good over Philippe Albuquerque Thomas Laurent in behind but that's going out in the favour of the Portuguese racer Graf back to third with Thomas Laurent and Will Stevens back to fourth for Panis Racing and just slightly falling away now the order of stints and the drivers used for Spirit of Race, Duncan Cameron started with a 12-lapper, then he was installed for 28 laps. There was probably some safety car in amongst that, though. Aaron Scott then a 35-lap stint, all in one go, and Matt Griffin now onto lap 23 of this run to the flag. So what does that tell us? Maybe this car can make 28 laps? Well, that wouldn't seem to the finish, would it, with 22 and a half minutes still to go? So, yeah, maybe that is touch and go in terms of fuel. And he's going to be um, 
driving with the slippers on the Irishman to make sure he's not pumping too much fire too much fire into that uh, 3.9 litre twin turbocharged V8 in the middle of the Ferrari Alessio Piccariello ready to pick up the pieces should they come his way he's second on the road in the GTE category Michel Gatting for Iron Links third and fourth place David Perel Dennis Anderson making a stop now in the LMP2 category. Car 20 for high-class racing in pit road. That will be for a splash as well to ensure that the high-class entry can make it to the finish. Although, no, maybe it's not. Is the fuel going in? I can't see a fueler on that right-hand side. Maybe it's a, a tyre issue or something out of alignment. A complaint on the radio quite possibly from Dennis Anderson. Maybe the fuel, your fuel is going in. It's tough to tell from this side of the it's car. It's very hard to tell from this side. It was going in. It's just a fuel that was so far down behind the dorsal fin, I didn't see him. That's fine. Uh, alarm bells can be switched off, and the car will be waved back into the race. Good times again from Nigel Moore. That's the best that the 13 car has turned out. Likewise for Malta Jakobsen, the RLR M Sport car. These two really pushing hard. When are we going to see the final stops in LMP3, I wonder? They all have to make four stops. It might be, again, a last 20-minute thing. Maybe you can't make the final stop until the final 20 minutes of the race. A spin Anthony for 37, Borger. yeah, from Cool Racing. Yeah, just outside the top 10, slightly further outside the top 10. Now, gathered it together all over, but again, when you have to rejoin in the dark, you, know, you might see lights that don't really exist. It's uh, very tricky, but it was all on his own. Now, for fans of G-Drive Racing, get your fingernails out, start chewing them, because the gap back from Jean-Éric Verne to Philippe Albuquerque is coming down. It was 10 seconds, it's now down to 8.6, so the Portuguese driver a second faster last time around. Were they in traffic? Yeah, the race leading... Uh, G-Drive Oris most definitely was but of course the traffic he's just negotiated is going to have to now be cleared by the driver giving chase, Philippe Albuquerque but uh, he's been chipping away and uh, it's going the right way for him as I say that it goes the wrong way for him because again slightly obstructed by traffic but the general trend is uh, United Autosports closing in, 20 minutes remain out of the four, we've done 220 20 to go in the Le Castellet 240 Seven laps completed by Jean-Éric Verne, six by Philippe Albuquerque. They pitted a lap apart, remember, and they are 1-2 in this race. G-Drive ahead of United. The Graf car, Thomas Laurent, third. That car is deeper into its stint. Still a little bit of a question mark whether Thomas Laurent, Will Stevens will be able to make the flag uh, with the current fuel load. I think they should be OK with 20 minutes left on the clock. We will wait and see. So much to make sure we don't miss here. How on earth will the LMP3 fight unfold? 1.2 seconds now between Duncan Tappy and David Drew. So Drew turning on the style. He obviously likes this track. He was very late in the day, snatching pole position and qualifying. And he is shadowing Duncan Tappy's every move there. That is a straight fight between United Autosports and Real Team Racing. Another cracking battle is uh, Will Stevens. He's been deposed by uh, two of the chasing pack, but he's got Gabriel Aubrey right on his tails in the remaining Algarve Pro Racing entry. So it's Orica against Storica, but Will Stevens is really struggling to hang on. Just under half a second between them as they fight over fourth place. Four Ligiers at the sharp end in LMP3. The best Duquesne is fifth. That's the Nielsen racing car of Charlie Cruz. And Laurence Hoare makes it two Duquesnes in the top six. But sadly for the M30 fans, they're fifth and sixth. And then a big batch of GT cars run behind. 
second placed still Picariello in his Proton competition Porsche but he is uh, sufficiently far enough ahead of Michel Gatting not to be peering in the rearview mirrors too much solely reliant I think that batch of GTE cars now that the spirit of race have messed up their stopping uh, and their strategy but will, will, will uh, Matt Griffin actually have to stop if they don't this will be a dominant victory for the 55 Swiss team entry so there's the battle for LMP3 honours and Duncan Tappy having to keep one eye on the door mirrors but one eye very much on the hazy track in front of him he has got David Drew closing in at a very high rate of knots. Just half a second, just over half a second between them now. And David Drew, of course, the uh, real team looked very good in qualifying right at the end, just as all the applause was going to a rival crew. They pulled it together. Malta Jakobsen is running fourth. He was the one who thought he'd taken pole position. David Drew took it, but uh, he's really, really coming. He's two-tenths of a second down now on Duncan Tappy. So United Autosports hanging on in the P3 class, but real team racing right in the mix, right under their rear wing. In fact, just towards the end of the lap, a uh, little bit of an advantage goes back the way of Duncan Tappy, but he can't afford to rest on his laurels. He had a better run through the double droite, but now with mist hanging in the sky, the fine rain picked out by these hugely bright floodlights. Certain points on the circuit, it makes it look like a light show. At other points, they can't see it at all because they're just driving into the dark. Still no sign of United Autosports or Real Team Racing appearing on the pit apron to receive these cars for the final time. So they will whip across the line again. 16 and a half minutes to go. Rain lights can be turned off now. That's a good sign that the rain maybe has disappeared for good. It was being shown up by the floodlights because the floodlights are so bright they would pick out any little bit of precipitation, but I think it's more like psychological rain, not really affecting the grip levels. And with nice, hot, sticky, slick tyres, that should burn off the moisture anyway from the track surface. Tappy, Drew, Nigel Moore pushing like crazy as well. He's only seven seconds away. If these two leading LMP3 cars start to jostle for position and slow one another up, that might bring the Yorkshireman into the equation. Malta Jakobsen is too far away, but the order for the podium in LMP3 far from decided. Well, the order for the overall podium far from being decided is down to under six seconds as Philippe Albuquerque chips away yet more at Jean-Éric Verne. He's gradually managed to drop Thomas Laurent, who's third for Graf. And in turn, he's gradually pulled clear of Will Stevens, who's still under pressure in fourth place from Gabriel Aubrey. So for Jean-Éric Verne, is he on borrowed time, or has he just got enough time in hand as we go towards the end of this race? 5.9 seconds to the good over Philippe Albuquerque, who gets closer and closer. Seems that Will to be able to gain about a second a lap on the race leader. Or is that Jean-Éric Verne just controlling things? Well, maybe. Uh, yeah, he is a classy driver. One of the LMP3 cars there caught the curb and dislodged something. Not sure whether that was from the car or a bit of the road surface, maybe. We don't ha normally have a problem with drain covers and things like that here at Ricard, but something was awry. I got the impression. Tricky to tell in the darkness. Out of turn 14, there's a GT car for the LMP3 leaders to negotiate next. And Duncan Tappy straight onto the... Uh, flashing of the lights to distract the Ferrari or at least warn the Ferrari driver that they want to get by and at speed a second separate the Brit from the Swiss first and second in P3 
4.2 seconds. I'll just keep, keep giving you lower, smaller and smaller numbers. That's mm. Philippe Albuquerque getting ever closer to Jean-Eric Verne. Yeah, and the catching is arguably easier than the overtaking because Jean-Eric Verne will not make that an easy process for the Portuguese as we can head down to the pits to get further news, this time from Iron Links with Hayley. I'm joined here by Rahel Frey, driver of for Iron Link, car number 83. So firstly, Rahel, what a fantastic stint you put out there. When you came in, you were first. I mean, how did it go for you? Uh, yes, thank you very much. It was really an amazing one. Um, we were really fast on track. I was really, really happy with the car. Unfortunately, we had uh, some up and downs. We were leading by more than 30 seconds. Then we had again a safety car. Um, yeah, it, it was difficult, but it was amazing. Right now, there is only like 15 minutes to go. Um, we are third place at the moment. It looks like that the leaders, they don't have to pit again. So it looks like that we remain on third place. Thank you very much. Okay, so Rahel Fry suggesting that <laughs> that was the end of the interview. She wondered whether there was another question being asked there. Uh, but in fact, uh, that gave us plenty of information. And uh, Michelle Gatting now driving the car that Rahel was earlier in control of, number 83. But uh, the theory down at Iron Links is that Spirit of Race are fine to the finish. We'll wait and see. Matt Griffin may be driving a little bit within himself. He's got the cushion to do that to an extent and save fuel. You know, he's got 50-odd seconds, hasn't he? So won't be pushing like crazy. And we know that the 55 Ferrari's already done a 35-lap stint when Aaron Scott was at the wheel, but that did include a fair bit of full-course yellow running when you're burning nowhere near as much fuel as you would be at race pace. 12 and a half minutes to go. Was that, was that the two uh, leading LMP3 cars? No, P2, in fact. And the 25 car of Gabriel Obrey pursuing Will Stevens. Will he's Stevens, been getting closer and closer, but he, I thought he was going to pass him a lap or so ago. It hasn't happened, so Will Stevens being a redoubtable defender, but it's fourth place. It's not a position on the podium. It looks as though Panis Racing was heading that way, but uh, really, remember not so long ago, we saw the delight in the G-Drive racing pit. They seem to work their tactics very well. They are leading this race, but did I say 4.4 seconds? I meant 2.7 seconds as Albuquerque is getting closer and closer. Oh, my word, I thought this race had gone away from them. Never discount Philippe Albuquerque, but uh, it could be United Autosports taking victory that looked as though that had gone west a long time ago. It looked so unlikely, didn't it? And we know how good United Autosports are, but they've got themselves into a bit of a pickle mid-race. Uh, certainly that was the case for the 32. That's been recovered now with Jot van Auto to the wheel, back to ninth. But who would have guessed that, uh, yeah, great driving from Phil Hansen. Let's not forget his input. He always has this he-man stint well over half the race for the Londoner. And now Philippe Albuquerque. There's side-to-side -side contact late in the piece. Was that the... Was that Dennis Anderson being muscled out of the way? Didn't by Edex Sport, quite I think possibly. So. Uh, Richard Bradley. Well, Bradley certainly was... Um, uh, the sort of physical side of racing within his right to uh, spar I notice he and Alex Brundle had a ding-dong fight late in the piece there and again a little bit of shovel shoveling out of the way for the number 20 car that's not really in contention now down in 13th position last time I saw Richard racing he was in the sort of car you don't touch other cars he was racing the, the, the family's beloved Aston Martin Ulster around Thruxton a few weeks ago hmm. and uh, again it's great to see a driver who drives completely different cars on alternate weekends and uh, it's also great to see 
families where the racing runs in their veins. His father always out there. But oh, 2.7 seconds has become 1.8, has become 1.6 seconds for Philippe Albuquerque. He's not just cutting him down, he's cutting him down really fast. Sean Eric Verne still leading for G-Drive Racing, but down the G-Drive Racing garage, they were cheering about 15 minutes ago, and now they're hardly breathing. This is huge pressure and something that, of course, Jean-Éric Verne is capable of soaking up, but it's going to be a very long 10 minutes of his life to try and keep Philippe Albuquerque behind. Still looking at a about 117 laps we might tip over into 118 but we have just started lap 113 now so this one and four to go quite possibly let's savor this over the next 10 minutes John Eric Verne staying ahead just about to Philippe Albuquerque but an extra shot in the arm for the Portuguese is that he can now see John Eric Verne with every corner of the track just about anyway through the haze that still surrounds Circuit Paul Ricard after a, a rainy old day. Not quite as much showers as I had been expecting, and that thunderstorm never materialised. Fingers crossed we can stay dry now to the finish, because I think rain late on would really ruin this, and it's a, a grandstand finish underneath a second now between Verne and Albuquerque. It's three quarters of a second to be exact between the Auris and the leading Orica. And just before he makes that pounce, David Drew now leading in P3 from Duncan Tappy. That reverse happening just a short while ago. Spirit of Race, it's looking very good for Matt Griffin and Spirit of Race. But let's go back to that lead battle. Jean-Éric Verne leading by 0.75 of a second. Antonin Borga, by the way, from nowhere, has just set the fastest lap of the race. He's cool racing's run down in 12th position overall, but that's a sideshow. The real show is what's happening out on the track. Which one's going to be in front over the next 10 minutes? Well, eight and a half minutes now. Albuquerque still giving chase. What? 0.1 seconds in the rear. Where's the traffic up ahead of them? That could have a big role to play. Certainly could, because it could go one way for Jean-Eric Verne. He could get the break on Albuquerque. Uh, equally, it could go the other way. If he catches a few GT cars all in a little cluster, then it will be tricky to get by, and that will force the concertina effect on Verne. And Albuquerque will be right with him. Because not only is Philippe Albuquerque quick in the in the clearer open air but he can judge traffic as well after his years of prototype racing John Eric Verne not as experienced behind the wheel of a prototype but to be honest they're sort of level pegging in terms of their speed right now it does favor Albuquerque more often than not I mean bear in mind it was eight nine seconds at one point it's now six tenths of a second between the two leaders with their rain lights still flashing frantically I think they just caught the back of uh, Matt Griffin's car as well, not to literally speaking, but the green Ferrari with the silver roof had just been overtaken by Jean-Éric Verne and Philippe Albuquerque underneath the floodlights. More traffic up ahead. It is surely going to have a role to play. 0.127 of a second is the gap that Verne has over Albuquerque. Next to nothing, Albuquerque doesn't get past a back marker as quickly as the race did. It tends to happen that way, particularly after dark when you're coming up and the the leading car has an advantage going through traffic, but it's when you get gaggles of cars, not individual cars, that it really is so much trickier for both parties in that equation. But right there, that was a really clean move from uh, Jean-Éric Verne. Philippe Albuquerque going back to, well, he's not even half a second behind, but we know he's got the pace. On clear track, he's able to haul him in one more time out of turn number 14. 114 laps about to go on the board, only six and a half minutes remaining. Which one of these cars is going to come out at front when the chequered flag is working? 
Road. Oh, what a race. No clue whatsoever to the answer to that question. One thing that uh, could be easily overlooked is that there is still time for a fastest lap of the race. Antonin Borges just pulled that one out of the bag, a 143.866. He may be down in 12th position, but Borger showing through uh, supreme speed in that car that was earlier piloted by Nicolas Lapierre. Albuquerque's not going to be close enough at turn five this time around as they power their way briefly out of that tricky right-hander and then slowly work the power in through six and seven and add on to the Mistral straight. And those at G-Drive have had a very long day running the Aris 01, one or two bleary-eyed looks, but they cannot tear their eyes away from the screens. Still don't know which way this is going to go. And those in the garage is firmly partisan about this. Now, this is a good run for Philippe Albuquerque. Up the hill towards the end of the Mistral straight. He's got within about three car lengths of Jean-Éric Verne, but no opportunity to get through at senior corner. They also get very close here at Double Trat because of slightly different lines being run by the two drivers. But Jean-Éric Verne, neat and tidy on the exit, staying in front. Right, the big question is which are the cars they're about to put another lap on. There's a Ferrari up ahead, it's Daniel Serra, but thank goodness it's a driver of his calibre. Top, top Brazilian racer. He will know how to keep his car out of the way, but the laps are starting to run away from Philippe Albuquerque on sheer pace. He's been able to close up behind them, Thomas Laurent dropping back to 10, 11 seconds behind, but he is now starting to get company from Will Stevens, who's fighting back, and Gabriel Aubrey, so we don't even know who's going to win the race, who's going to be the third driver, the third crew up onto the, well, the imaginary podium. We have only the race winners in class appearing on the socially distanced podium, but uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's who is going to be ahead at the checker. Philippe Albuquerque still keeping Jean-Éric Verne very, very honest, but in fact, uh, oh, they've got a whole gaggle of cars up in front of them. This could spell trouble. Just started lap 116, looking like a 118 lap race. So there's this one and then two more to go around the 5.8 kilometer Le Castellet circuit. It's the Le Castellet 240. There was a wiggle there from Jean-Éric Verne. He almost had to uh, add a little bit of opposite lock to straighten the car up. They'll get into the toe of that Ferrari of Daniel Serra. But Albuquerque's right with him now. Halfway down the Mistral straight. I can't tell which car is which from the headlights. It's just a solid glare. And has Albuquerque got the required... Is that them side by side, in fact? No, they've got, they got the Gunnar Jeanette. Well, they are. Yes. And so Albuquerque has made the move... Yes, he has. He's made the move. He got ahead before they got... They went around past Gunnar Jeanette in the JMW car. Have I called that wrong? I don't know. I can't work it's... it out. Let's have a look. 26. No, the move has been it made. Has, it has been Albuquerque made. And he's pulled about a second or so. on the graphic. They were side by side behind Daniel Serra's Ferrari. I thought the Portuguese had got a really good run out of turn seven. He drew alongside and he took the place even before the braking area for senior corner. The, the easing off of the throttle for senior well, that was an absolutely phenomenal move. There was that little twitch from... And then he had to duck underneath the Dragon Speed car as well to confirm the move. Massive understanding for Jean-Éric Verne as well. But, but where it went wrong for Verne, we saw that little twitch at Turn 6. It meant he couldn't get the power down fast enough to swing through Turn 7 onto the back straight. That gave the advantage, but it also involved traffic, and he had to be really, really positive. But it was all about that one little twitch at Turn 6, unfortunately, for Jean-Éric Verne. So long faces at G-Drive Racing. They're not smiling yet at United Autosports. They're thinking about it but that was a, an amazing move to take the lead of the race with what three and a half minutes left on the clock 
probably too early to think that this one is in the bag just yet because of the unpredictable nature of this race. Albuquerque, by my calculations, has just started his penultimate lap. It is totally dry online now, so all he's got to do is keep it neat and tidy. There's no question about the pace. Uh, 145.2 last time around, and... Sean Eric Byrne, 148. That was the lap he was being overtaken, I suppose, so you can't really take that as being representative. However, with a stop, did I say a lap later for Albuquerque compared to John Eric Byrne, he's got possibly newer tyres. It also depends on um, how they've used the tyres through the weekend. Remember, just three sets available to each of the LMP3s, and had they put less mileage on this particular set of Michelin's compared to Jean-Éric Verne's example. Well, if anybody fancies a pit stop, they've left it a bit late, so I think yeah. you can discount those at this stage, so it's looking very, very good indeed for Spirit of Race. We had that question mark about whether they'd stop before the safety car, could they get to the end? We've actually worked out they can, and with one and a half minutes remaining, surely victory heading to Matt Griffin, Duncan Cameron and Aaron Scott. Real team racing, they've stretched their legs, only four seconds clear of Duncan Tappy is David Drew for Real Team Racing, that's in P3, but Philippe Albuquerque, two and a half seconds to the good, now over Jean-Éric Verne. What a move that was. It was partly to do with the Ferrari and uh, sort of using that car as a pick, Philippe Albuquerque, in boxing Jean-Éric Verne behind it, but it was more about the run that Albuquerque got out of Turn 6. And I had mentioned at the time that Jean-Éric Verne seemed to have a right old tank slapper on coming out of six and seven that he needed to correct and then didn't have the forward momentum. I shouldn't joke about pit stops. One's being served now with a car that came in with a dead engine. It's number five from Graf. It's Sebastian Paget. And I think that was out of fuel. That's why it trickled down the pit lane. With what I said that with one and a half minutes remaining. Oh well. Final lap for Philippe Albuquerque. Still time for Jot van Outer to do the fastest lap of the race. Now 143.8 for the Dutchman. Car 32. So the other United Autosports car might not get the result they wanted, but they're showing they got one of the quickest cars out there. No extra points for the fastest lap, but it does rather stamp a bit of authority on the race to say this is what we could have done had we had the luck and slightly better strategy, perhaps. So tricky to know which weather system is going to arrive next next but uh, the 22 amazingly have not put a foot wrong I have to say I sort of discounted this car mid-race it was too far down the order and had too many cars to overtake well more fool me frankly Philip Albuquerque and Phil Hansen again get a cracking result they are moments away from victory in the first ever Le Castellet 240 kind of glad we came back to France sadly Barcelona misses out on a race but this has turned out to be a classic Philippe Albuquerque it's another win in the European Le Mans series they'll extend their championship advantage the 25 make that 26 with the, the earlier pole position go the way of car 22 and United Autosports are in raptures down in their garage there is the team high-fiving hugging kind of forgetting about social distancing but they've been with each other all weekend and the face masks are still on there Jean-Éric Verne second place he could not hold the 22 Orica back but the Arasiro one still able to score 18 points for second Thomas Laurent for Graf Racing will complete the podium in LMP3 they didn't need to pick for a fourth time obviously a rejig of the regulations since Spa 
and David Drew an overtake on Duncan Tappy to give victory to Real Team Racing. That seemed a little unlikely as well after Esteban Garcia's stint because that car was well down in the middle order. But David Drew turning on the style and taking victory. There's the 55 Ferrari in the GTE category, getting victory for the first time since Monza 2018. Congratulations to, uh, to Aaron Scott, to Duncan Cameron and to Matt Griffin, who's been on double duty this weekend. We await the 77 Proton Competition Porsche of Alessio Picariello, and together with his teammates, they at least make it a decent weekend for Proton Competition. It's been trying at the other side of the garage after a nasty looking crash for the sister car that was today feels like about last week for the 93 but the 77 car the uh, trio of Michele Beretta Christian Reed and Alessio Picariello will finish second ahead of Michelle Gatting Rahel Fry and Manuela Gosner Rahel telling Hayley Edmonds pretty much we will finish third and so it turned out wow that is an ELMS race that will live long in my memory uh, it was adrenaline filled and kept us guessing pretty much to the last lap Bruce Jones. It really did and uh, just for you know, a word from the other side of the United Autosports Garage, an even better fastest lap of the race on the final lap from uh, Joe Van Uta. He couldn't catch Richard Bradley, eighth place was as high as he could go but a uh, little bit of pride from them but uh, how pumped up would Philip Albuquerque feel? He wasn't just overtaking anybody to take the lead of the race, that was Jean-Eric Verne another driver absolutely in his pomp and it, uh, it just didn't look on, did it? With about 15 minutes to go, surely that time deficit couldn't be hauled down. But bit by bit, but actually by large chunks, by a second a lap. And um, we couldn't see the cars all the way around the circuit. There may have been more switches, but that one for Jean-Eric Verne at turn six, just when he wanted to be feeding the power in, the front of the G-Drive Oris just snapped away, couldn't turn into turn six, and it meant that quicker through turn seven onto the Mistral straight went the Portuguese racer. What a move. And again, having to weave around the Dragon Speed car, which ended up... Uh, yeah, just a lap down in the hands of Ben Hanley worked, worked the track beautifully, but the move has already been made. Yeah, in the heat of the moment, to be aware of where three of the cars were, and, you know, he started that overtake on the left-hand side of the track, he had to jink from, effectively, the outside lane to the middle lane and make sure he was clear of the nose of Jean-Éric Verne at incredibly high speed. That's the fastest part of the circuit at the end of the Mistral straight. Uh, immense driving talent and I mean that about Verne and Albuquerque for the understanding between the two they're all briefed about their protocol down the Mistral straight and where to position your car no late lane changes unless you're doing the overtaking and you are fully permitted to do that Phil Hansen getting the lift then from the garage down to Park Ferme where that car will park up and now Phil opening the door for Philippe Albuquerque it was all in a day's work the man from Quimbra will say but we've just witnessed, uh, again, just the extension of this man's talent. Unbelievable. Yeah, just to master those conditions. I mean, to be honest, Johnny, was the one lap in that race that had a similar track condition to the next one? Pretty much not. We no. had the light changing as we went from day into evening into night. And... Uh, Every single driver out there would have had a moment or five. But right now, Philippe Albuquerque climbing out. Phil Anson already on top of the car. You could just see a glint in um, They're just laughing. Into their eyes. They've fallen into just fits of laughter, almost like they can't believe it. And again, maximum points. I don't. Uh, Phil Hansen is going to be a late night for him. It's already quite a late night. It's beyond half past ten here 
at Le Castellet. But it is Saturday night in the south of France. I have a funny feeling they might both wake up with fuzzy heads tomorrow morning. And the 55 Ferrari arriving uh, late in the day, but uh, to take its rightful spot on the top step of the podium. It will be a downscale podium deliberately to abide by the COVID-19 protocol, but we should allow space for the winning uh, trios duo in the case of the overall winner on the top step of uh, each of their individual podiums at a social, suitable social distance. Just the two drivers taking victory in LMP3 as well, David Drew and Esteban Garcia after they took pole position today as well. So two of the three class winners will it will be maximum points. I'm just going to let him put on his mask. Guys. He's just taken off Let's his helmet. Winner of the LMP, winners of the LMP2 category. What a fantastic final stint. Oh, my gosh. You worked your way all up the order. Not only that, three minutes towards the end, you doubled. Um, Jean-Éric Verne, tell us about it. Uh, I, I just really I can't believe it. Uh, it was horrible for us. Big part of the race. Uh, big heads off to Phil because we did a mistake. We have to admit that with, uh, with the tyres. And Phil did a brilliant job with the slicks in a damn condition not making a single mistake that was outstanding and uh, I really I really thought like let's push let's see what we get and I just couldn't believe that I was catching P1 and then fighting for that was uh, I knew that uh, Jerry was going for everything because I tried one time at senior and he was really close but uh, yeah we pulled this off it's just unbelievable like, I, I don't have words to be honest congratulations to you both thank you Apologies for talking over there just at the start of that uh, interview, but we caught most of it, and he's almost in tears, Philly Barberkirk. It's great to see, see a seasoned pro as himself, but that's really affected him, and uh, for the right reasons as well. We look back on so many highlights. Have you got all week to watch these back? Because it's going to take a while. It started in the wet and behind the safety car, and we got 35 cars to the start, 34 cars to the start, rather minus, of course, the rather battered and bruised 93 Porsche. But it didn't take long for the overtaking to begin. And a great example of that between Roman Rusinov and Konstantin Tereshenko. It was the Russian driver uh, from Duquesne overtaking his compatriot on the Mistral straight around the outside when conditions were very, very different. Side-by-side -side action three abreast, in fact, in LMP3 down in towards turn three. And then a spin for Rodrigo Sales. This could have accounted for our eventual winner, of course, the 22. Phil Hansen reacted so quickly to that round the outside of a spinning JMW Motorsport Ferrari. Lead change, the first of a, a few here up the inside for Mikkel Jensen on Nicolo Lapierre. And uh, G-Drive guys were very chuffed with that. Then there was a clash towards the end of the lap between a Duquesne and a Ligier within the LMP3 category. That forced a tyre to go down on Louis Saint-Jouin's Graf Duquesne M30, and it forced another safety car so that uh, our hard-working marshals could retrieve what was left of his Michelin tyre. Cool racing up against, again, the Duquesne car, and that was a move legally this time for Konstantin Tereshenko on Nicolas Lapierre, much to the delight of Gilles Duquesne. Battling in the GTs kind of carried on throughout, but a nice little bit of strategy for our eventual winner's spirit of race put them well ahead. Jean-Éric Verne eventually finishing second and only 2.6 seconds away from the race winner. You wouldn't have thought that with that move. And what about this? A dramatic accident for Loic Duval, which saw the Frenchman on his roof in the Algarve Pro Racing prototype, slapped there on the side by 
the Graf LMP3 car, and that's how the car ended up. Loic Duval quickly out, thankfully, and able to give us uh, a very balanced assessment as to how all of that unfolded. 55 Ferrari of Duncan Cameron and Matt Griffin and Aaron Scott on its way to victory. And they eventually would win by a decent chunk of time. That was the reaction to G-Drive. They thought that was the race win right there. Eight, nine seconds was Jean-Eric Verne's advantage after the last pit stop in the race, but they didn't quite factor in Philippe Albuquerque's charge to the finish. The overtake happening at the end of the Mistral. There was the 55 Ferrari then taking victory. The 22 out of the final corner to whip across the line. 2.6 seconds, 2.6 seconds rather to the good and another victory for Hansen and Albuquerque. So much it meant to the United Autosport gang. Real team racing can celebrate as well after victory in the LMP3 category by about the same margin, 2.1 seconds there. David Drew clambering out of his Ligier on the Michelin tyres and the Ferrari arriving, as I say, in the uh, colour scheme that Duncan Cameron designed himself, the green and the silver. Uh, they will be on the podium in a moment or two. But first of all, to the middle of the podium will go Phil Hansen, Philippe Albuquerque and one of the mechanics as well from United Autosports. They still can't believe it, I get the feeling. You know, over the years, you hear drivers chuckling, uh, you know, with delight when they got to the podium. But this was disbelief from Philippe Albuquerque. And uh, what a phenomenal drive. So United Autosports on that top step. But uh, for real team racing as well, what a great run from them. And David Drew on the right-hand side of the pair there, sharing with Esteban Garcia. He's, he said, a gentleman driver. But together, they made it work. And for all the drivers out there, what a set of conditions to go racing in. Yeah. It was great truly spectacular and there are the three from spirit of race duncan cam uh, sorry aaron scott near is the camera matt griffin standing in the middle of the three in the green suits and duncan cameron on the right as we look at it they were carrying five kilos of ballast that will be upped now because they were winners here at Le Castellet. Uh, it's going to be a couple of months before we're next racing in the European Le Mans series. A pause now, of course, for the 24 hours of Le Mans, where a lot of these cars will feature. And then it'll be the four hours of Monza over the weekend of the 10th and 11th of October. But champagne to be sprayed, first of all, at a suitably social distance, of course. And interviews, hopefully, still to be heard from real team and the spirit of race, guys. If not, they will be put in the can after we are off air and you'll probably be able to hear those in the 52 minute highlight show which will appear later on this week 118 laps completed for the 22 of united autosports phil hansen and philippe albuquerque uh, 26 roman rusinov Mikkel jensen jean-eric verne have to make do with second but uh, they pushed as hard as they could and it's graf third james allen tom Laurent, and alex cugno those drivers that couldn't feature on the podium panis racing and algarve pro racing complete the top five in LMP3, Real Team Racing, Esteban Garcia and David Drew. Second place, United Autosports. That's Duncan Tappy and Andrew Bentley who finish on the podium. And it's also a podium finish for Inter-Europol competitions, Nigel Moore and Martin Hipper. The 55 crew we know all about, Cameron, Griffin and Scott. Second place in the GTE category is Alessio Picariello for Proton Competition, Michele Beretta and Christian Reed. And third place for Iron Links, Michelle Gatting, Manuela Gosner and Rahel Fry. Right, as promised, from LMP3, here are the duo that's taken victory for the Swiss squad, real team. And I'm joined here by the winners of the LMP3 category, uh, Esteban Garcia and David Drew from the real, real team racing, car number eight.
So Esteban, just give us a word, your first win of the season. I mean, how does it feel? It's not only the first uh, win of the season. For me, it's the first win of my life, you know, in LMS. So I'm so happy. And I must say that it's a, an enormous emotion. So to, to share this with my colleague, with uh, David. So he did a great job also. And it was a very emotional weekend, I must say. Thank you very much and congratulations. Excellent. So we don't get to hear from David Drew, but we did hear from him after, well, mid-race, wasn't it? And uh, great to catch up with Esteban Garcia for his reaction too. But I mean, for Esteban, he's talked about how emotional it is, but he's only in his start, he's partway through his third season of racing. Yeah. Uh, here's a gentleman driver born in 1970, and he's making it work, yeah. which is what it's all about. No, no, totally. And just shows, doesn't it, you get a few races under your belt, you learn how to be in the right place at the right time to take victory in LMP3. So that's P2 and P3 dealt with. Now to GTE winners. So I'm here with the winners of the LM GTE category Spirit of Race. And of course, Matthew, what a great performance. You, did. you finished off the race. Tell us how it went for you. It was, uh, it was a really tough race. The, the weather conditions, as you saw, were, were treacherous right from the start. And then as it got darker, the track just never dried. So uh, it was a really tough race. But the, honestly, the star of the race for us was, was Duncan, who started in the most difficult conditions. Um, he was the fastest bronze driver by a mile. And uh, to be honest, we had a really good strategy. And in the end, it was just down to making sure we didn't run out of fuel. So I was fuel saving most of the last stint couple of really dodgy moments with the with the LMP2s that are seem to be a bit overzealous this year so as a GT driver you've got to do a lot of mitigation because if if you don't mitigate their mistakes they take you out of the race but uh, no we're really happy it was a big team effort and uh, our first win of the season and it's uh, fantastic thank you okay yeah that is an interesting point made by Matt Griffin because remember back in July this race Duncan Cameron involved in an incident with Konstantin Tereshenko at the end of the Mistral straight which took the car out of the race we never did see the build-up to that incident but Tereshenko I seem to remember at fault for it uh, much much better memories now of circuit Paul Ricard for that trio well we're not going to forget this one in a hurry Bruce Fabulous entertainment for four hours. It's been phenomenal, and I, I really like the concept of a four-hour race going into the darkness. I think the drivers did as well, and the shots looked amazing, but the race action was the star of the show. It was absolutely brilliant, Johnny. Yeah, spins galore. Oh, the damage from uh, Louis Saint-Juan's incident and the tyre going down, and then you had the darkness and a little bit more rain shower late in the piece as well. I can't kind of wait for the next race. The problem is it's not till October, which will be the fourth race of five at Monza in the northern part of Italy with Portimao to look forward to at the end of October slash start of November and the small matter of the 24 hours of Le Mans next month where a lot of the ELMS cars will feature but in a non-championship affair. So plenty of racing to look forward to then. My thanks to Hayley Edmonds in the pits, to Bruce Jones from Johnny Palmer. We'll speak to you very soon. Bye-bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.